Listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Oblivion. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here this week, as every week, with Christian Donansky. Uh, Christian Morosky, Tech 49. Hey! <laughs> and with an Oblivion tagline, Kelly Wand. It's The Matrix meets Wally by way of the island. Michael Bay's, not Kane's, but with CG. <laughs> All right, so there's about three or four spoilers for you. <laughs> That's more than the movie had, or wait, fewer than the trailer had. Uh, well, if you my haven't backup, seen it, it was uh, Needs More Laser Cane. That was my backup one. Speaking of canes. Ah, well, you know what? What Joseph Kaczynski movie doesn't, to be fair? Mm. I don't know what you're talking about. So this week, actually, Dingus, you're the pronunciation expert. Did I pronounce the, the name of the director of Oblivion and Tron correctly? Is it Kaczynski, or am I just shortchanging him? It was Joseph Kaczynski. No, it's, uh, his first name is Jersey, but yes, you're right. Kaczynski, <laughs> right. Uh, well, maybe you have not seen Oblivion. Hold on a second. Don't leave, because we have spoiler-free stuff for you. Tom, I'm just okay. not interested. i got to go. Well, wait, don't go. Hold on. <laughs> All right. I'll hear you out, and then I'll leave. All right. Well, Kelly, what if I were to tell you that Dingus is about to... Actually, let's do some quick trailer talk. Trailer, yeah. Did you see any trailers, Kelly Wan, that you thought were notable uh, before uh, Oblivion? Because Oblivion is kind of a pre-summer movie. You would right. think that a lot of theater chains will load it with, hey, here's what else you can see this summer. Um, it's like a cartoon before the summer movie. It's along those lines, yeah. So, Kelly Wand, any trailers uh, stood out for you? I, myself, am not watching most of them. I did see a couple of these. Can't get enough of that trailer for the heat. Um, but oh, otherwise, they're running that into the ground. Yeah, nice. that heat trailer, yeah. Uh, and I but did... it makes me giggle every time I see it a little bit more, and I was just disgusted the first time we saw that trailer. And now I, start, I find myself giggling at it, and I wonder, are they just wearing me down? I think so, Dingus. It's going to work on you so that by the time the heat comes out, you will have been so endeared by all those like awful situations that Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock are in that you will want to see the movie. Yeah. Is it a remake of the Michael Mann one, but with chicks? <laughs> I, I like your way of thinking. Shut up, Wand. <laughs> Uh, and, and also another Melissa McCarthy uh, appearance, which kind of made me sad, in that just so lazy-looking Hangover 3 trailer. Uh, Lord, those guys are – that's what they're going to do, really? They go back to Vegas, too. Well, no, it's the last one. It's going to be Dark Knight Rises of the Hangover universe. Oh. It could all die. <laughs> we should be so lucky. But Melissa McCarthy has an appearance with Zach Galifianakis, and I was like, you know what? Just, oh, just really? put those two in a room and shoot it for two hours. I'd rather watch that than whatever Todd Phillips is stringing together for so Hangover. She's his love interest because the other two already have love interests. Is that what's going on? Uh, we'll find out, I guess, Kelly Wand, won't we? Yeah. Hey, Tom. Yes, Kelly Wand. What's an Andromeda strain catchphrase? <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Kelly Wand, let's pretend the year is 19... 19- Wait, do you mean the uh, the original Andromeda strain or the Benjamin Bratt remake that, that, that yeah. Ridley Scott did? I don't know. I don't know about the first one, but uh, 
tranquilizer. <laughs> All right, go back to what you're talking about. Wavescare, so if, if you listened to our podcast about lasers, you would understand that uh, for our listeners. Uh, so, Kelly Wan, any trailers stand out for you? I saw the Star Trek Into Darkness one. Which... Is, there a lot of, is there a lot of Cumberbatch in that? He runs around a lot. Yeah, whoa, don't don't spoil it. Oh, you don't... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> really? Star Trek trailers are too intense to... I like Star Trek. I like Star Trek. Anything with Benedict Cumberbatch, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. So, yeah, uh, I didn't watch Khan. that. Is he Khan? I, Get out of here. I, I didn't see... He, I don't think he's in the trailer. I didn't see him. It's okay. Like, but is Mr. Spock... Is Spock his first name? Like, it's Spock Henderson? <laughs> No, because otherwise it wouldn't be Mr. Spock. Kelly Wan, I don't know if you know how the, the, the title Mr. works, but you say the last name afterwards. See? Unless so it's like it's, it's like Mr. It's like Mr. His name's like Mr. Carl Spock or something. Carl Spock. What's his first name? <laughs> Very good. Dingus, what trailer stood out for you? Very good. Uh, this is the first time I I actually got to... Uh, really see the phenomena you talked about, Tom, of the game show that happens when you watch trailers. Oh, Where a trailer me. starts and somebody blurts out what they, what they like, hey, I, I know what this is. Right. And they're wrong. Those, those they were the wrong. So this Ryan Reynolds movie starts, and I don't know what it is, but somebody behind us goes, Robocop. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, it shows, it he starts sure to show, I stopped watching that because it starts to show a cop who apparently gets killed in the line of duty, and someone was so proud of himself for being smart enough to, to deduce that, therefore, it was a RoboCop remake. Yeah. <laughs> what, so any, okay, so any futuristic-looking preview with the guy shooting a gun? He was, wait, he's not even a robot. Why the fuck did he say a robot? Well, I didn't uh, see it. Robocop's I closed not, you, well, because they show, you know, at the beginning of RoboCop, uh, Murphy gets killed in the basically for all intents and purposes in the line of duty. So in this trailer for the Ryan Reynolds thing, oh, which I stopped watching, I, I don't know the premise, but in this trailer it shows a cop getting presumably killed in the line of duty. And there is a this, say again. You didn't get up to Jeff Bridges' character in the trailer. Well, thanks for spoiling that. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Really? You, uh, I hate you. But no, I did, I did not. I did not know he was in that. That makes me more eager to see it. But there, there, is, a, there is a RoboCop remake on the way that the uh, I think the Brazilian director who did those Elite Force movies is directing. So the guy wasn't just completely off base. He, he was just firing a little prematurely. Yes. So Aronofsky was going to remake RoboCop and then Wolverine, and then he went, no, let's do ballet movie. with Like that was his... Or was that before then? I mean, after Kelly, that. Kelly Wan, having seen Pi, all I can say is, who knows what's going on in the mind of Darren Aronofsky? Mm. <laughs> See? I don't know. I, that, was, that was... Kelly Wan, you're a terrible actor. And writer. <laughs> well, that remains to be seen. Uh, but before we get to that... <laughs> Ingus, why don't you tell us a little bit about what oh. has befallen us this week as a collective podcast? Uh, did Kelly have something else? Because he went, oh. Yeah, I had news about the sworn enemy of the podcast, Z-Bone, but I don't know if you wanted to hear it yet. Oh, what's Z-Bone up to? Wait a minute. Yeah, this is the, the the commenter who probably followed us over from Metacritic and didn't like something that we had to say about a movie. Yeah. Specifically me. I don't know if it's just me. It's Die Hard 5 and you. What did he have to say? Yeah, is he there? Can he join us on the podcast? Yeah, he's in Iraq this week. He's protesting the absence of in-game ads for Carl's Jr. and Heart of the Swarm, and then he's going to hit Oblivion Con in Helsinki. 
dressed as his favorite character, Bob, although he hasn't seen the movie yet. And then he's heading back to camp out for tickets to After Earth Con in Barstow. But he sent us a postcard that says, Tom Chick is a faggo. So I guess he ran out of space. But it could be a D. So. <laughs> that was great. I, well, I'm glad that he's keeping us in mind, and I hope we'll continue to hear from him. He wrote, uh, paid money for it <laughs> to, to ship you a postcard to question your sexual orientation. Dare, so I, ask, dare I ask Kelly Wan what's on the front of the postcard? Uh, just his middle finger, <laughs> which they sold in Iraq. He had to. He bought it, which was weird. <laughs> oh well, in Iraq that gesture means peace. I, I don't know, Sharma. <laughs> means you're not one. Hey, what? Nothing. Well, uh, I'm glad we heard from Z Bone. Uh, I will miss his dulcet tones, though. I like it better when he's here in person. Make once good. Is successful. Good. I, I look forward to that. So. All right, well, Z-Bone... Uh, call out in other media. So, Dingus, why don't you then uh, now go ahead and, and let folks listening know what happened to us this week. All right, well, this week we saw The Andromeda Strain, a 1971 sci-fi no, no, thriller. That's <laughs> You've gotten it wrong. Did Dingus what? watch it? I don't think Dingus has ever even seen the original Andromeda Strain, by the way. Asshole. <laughs> I read it. <laughs> There was a little, there's a, Kelly Wan seemed to be channeling a little Z-bone there. Yeah, he uh, did. I'm like a I, I do like the, the, that idea of a, a self-help book that Kelly Wan wrote called uh, Die Hard 5 and You. <laughs> a personal journey. <laughs> this week we saw Oblivion, Ugh. a 2013 American science fiction action-adventure unpublished graphic novel movie about a guy who works on drones. It was directed by Joseph Kaczynski, you're right, Tom, and written by him with Carl Gajusek and Michael Arndt, based on the comic book Kaczynski wrote with Arvid Nelson. Doesn't sound very American-made so far. All of these names are real, by the way. It stars Tom Cruise, Andrea Riceborough, Nikolai Koster-Valdau, and Melissa Leo. Oblivion is rated PG-13. Did you just... Melissa I like all those people. <laughs> or Nikolai koster yeah, I like that guy. He's sexy. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's sexy, especially when he's playing his own brother in some way. Uh, Oblivion is rated PG-13 for sci-fi action violence, brief, strong language. <laughs> <laughs> then it goes back to being weak for the rest of the movie. So the kids can come back in the theater. The rest of the movie is over by the time Brief Struggling comes around. <laughs> they really they really saved their one F word for a choice moment. I mean, they, it seems yeah. like they've been sitting on that for a long time. <laughs> We've got it in the chamber, and we're going to keep it in the chamber. That's his groovy. <laughs> and some sensuality slash nudity. Uh, <laughs> that's my review of it. Uh, Oblivion had a fairly soft opening, uh, mainly because... <laughs> uh, Tom, please talk about the movie. <laughs> really? Can you not dwell on the sensuality and nudity? It, 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 it opened at number one, but nothing else new opened this weekend. It was right. unopposed. So, uh, it, it, hey, congratulations, Oblivion, number one. Uh, it made $38 million, which is no great shakes, but it's okay for a movie that's not a sequel, not part of a franchise, um, but not a Tom Cruise movie. That's well, point. it's actually not bad. For, I think it's something like number five for a Tom Cruise non-sequel. <laughs> <laughs> How many scientists do we have on this? I think we could apportion more. 
Oh, wait, there's more mats. There's more mats before the scientists come in. Uh, so number one, fairly soft opening um, on Metacritic, which averages the re- ratings from reviews. Oblivion is at 55. Uh, Seabone's going to hate that, the way you, your tone when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive, Oblivion is at 59%. See? When they're the same number, it's usually right. You can quote me on that. <laughs> okay, good to know. When we were on, <laughs> what I would much rather quote you on are the things you're going to say in your Oblivopsis. Was I close? If you were to do a synopsis, Kelly Wan, of the events of Oblivion, would it be called an Oblivopsis? Dude, come on. You can what? say it right. It's an easy one. It's one of the few easy ones ever. And you still is, it just, is it just an Opsis? Very upset right now. <laughs> Kelly Wan, would an, would an Opsis of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, thou just be an Opsis? <laughs> what about an, an, an Opsis of the movie O? It'd be Oh Brother, Where Art Sis. Okay, what about what if you were to do an opsis of the movie O, the thing where uh, Bokeem Woodbine plays Othello? It would be S. <laughs> <laughs> Continue asking. Well, Kelly, well, what would you call an opsis of the movie Oblivion? Usually, the title takes much longer to compose, so it's interesting that you ask. But sadly, the answer to your question is not interesting, which is Obliviopsis. That's what I am here for, Kelly Wan, and that's what I want to quote you on. What did you say about oblivious? Like you just you, you said something more difficult to say. You went out of your way to take out the vowel. I jumbled uh, several letters together and just thought I might get close. Uh, I feel bad. Uh, on Canadian iTunes, we only have one review, and it's like two stars. And one guy says one of them's pretending to be smart, and one's pretending to be dumb, and the other guy just agrees. And I thought, wait. <laughs> Which one am I? I'm pretending to be dumb, so he's complimenting me, but insulting Tom. Or wait, which one am I? <laughs> I know. Well, I think you're. He thinks you're pretending to be smart, but you're dumb, and I'm pretending to be dumb, but I'm smart. I think you're what? right, Kelly. Dingus <laughs> <laughs> wins. Damn it! See? All right, That's so Kelly wants the yes. Oblivopsis. Drive it like you stole it. Oblivopsis. <laughs> wait, hang on. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. Is your very good friend, Tom? <laughs> Obliviopsis. The time, either 60 years later or a couple weeks from now. Wasn't listening. The place, above Earth someplace. Hi, I'm Tom Cruise's voiceover. The guy who saved me. (laughs) It's like I'm watching it again. Hi, I'm Tom Cruise's voiceover. The guy who's saying he lives with his wife and colleague, Tilda Swinton, in a condo slash research lab with a swimming pool, kitchen, and sound mix board. Made out of glass, floating high above the earth, because that's where weather conditions are the lamest. You still there? Nope. (laughs) Some crafty alien homeless people blew up the moon, but we beat them by fleeing to Saturn. (laughs) (laughs) My job's fixing robots that fly around terminating shit. They're way better than actual Terminators in that they're rounder and more easily flanked. They usually spend up to ten seconds of screen time trying to decide whether to terminate something or if it's clear, a verb and an adjective. If I have a gun in my hand while they stare at me, it takes even longer. My characterizations hey. Yes, Dingus. I'm just getting I'm just getting the attention of your drone. Hey. Oh, is that what he said? 
I wasn't listening. Anyway, my characterization is that I'm, quote, curious, which takes the form of scavenging garbage and extrapolating the substance of ancient book-length poetry from a single quatrain. Tilda Swinton hates knowledge, so i got to be curious in secret, which seems weird, but I'm too dumb to find that suspicious yet. My memory was wiped five years ago in case I'm captured by a homeless people and they want to know stuff that happened earlier. Since the only human voices I hear are two chicks with accents, it would have made sense and probably been better for the story if I was at least a little nuts like Sam Rockwell and Moon. But I haven't played nuts since Taps. Or retarded. It's Rain Man. <laughs> Actually, in this movie, I'll be reprising my iconic Confused by Two Women characters from Vanilla Sky. <laughs> the movie Still credits. But don't worry, I'll also be shooting stuff, or at least asking robots to stand down, because PG-13. My wife and I are great in that she's an emotionally distant bitch, but I think it's just because she's British, so I won't mind till a little later in the movie. We work for a southern chick named Sally. Every morning she goes, y'all still an effective team? And we say yes or no. If either of us says no, we both get executed. So we usually go with yes. <laughs> Luckily, it's an honor system. That's... was Never mind. Being an effective team in this instance means my wife's job is to cover for my constant breaches of protocol and unexplained disappearances, and also to type CG while I fly around grinning at shit. <laughs> After the credits wind down, I get into my bobblecopter, new from Kenner, and Tilda Swinton's all, Now y'all be... Oh, wait, that's British shit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so many characters. Track of Tilda Swinton is all, Now you be careful out there, you two. Don't <laughs> be gone with the wind. <laughs> hey! I don't know what that means. I never understood that phrase. Like, the wind... I'm all, ain't I always? I wink waggishly at you guys, the audience. She's all, no. I'm all, oh yeah, you're right. Guess you could say I'm a real maverick. Huh, Bob? A bobblehead on my dashboard glares at me. I fly down to a rusty scoreboard and put on the New York cap the black dude gave me in the Jack Reacher trailer. (laughs) (laughs) It's all just long movie after I lost it in War of the Worlds <laughs> huh Tom got blown up he was relieved by the cold the common cold relieved him after he lost I'm all dude I was totally here the day they scrawled numbers in those squares with chalk and then this jumbotron told us how far someone ran Tilda Swinton's all whatever you do don't say it was a classic game or mall. I'm all. It was a classic game and mall. Bottom of the eighth, lead pipe in the conservatory. Bases loaded. First down, the snap, birdie. Then the sinkhole opened up and swallowed both teams, and Bane came out and gargled a bunch of fish. <laughs> Shakalaka. <laughs> Camera carousels around me as I moonwalk handsomely. I sigh. I've never been prouder to sit on a bleacher. And somebody's ice cream sandwich. It's Tom Cruise talking. And still talking. I open a motherboard and monkey around with some wires. 
I'm all, looks like the trash 80s fried. I'll have to jury wig the Tilly Whacker. Don't wait up, sugar tush. Tom Cruise saying there. She's all, Thomas Jefferson Cruise, the sun's setting fast up here, and the music strongly suggesting that thing will be impossible for you even to fix, with all the future tech at all disposal, unless you have a piece of gum and a Yankees cap. I smear some gum all over the USB port so the drone can sputter and go off screen again. Some homeless people chase me around the Logan's Run basement at CalArts. Then a PA hands me a potted plant. So I fly back up to my condo and go, hey, honey, I got you this plant. Could be a magnolia. I wink at you guys. She's all, oh, and tosses it without looking over the balcony. I'm all, I love you so much. I know I say this every day, but you should come down with me sometime. I know how much you love it up here in this 10-foot square cube of nothing. But I'll show you a bunch of mildewy school books I stockpiled in a cabin. And this fish whose poop I drink sometimes, whatever mm. it's looking on. <laughs> you always turn on me at the poo jokes. And also some records in a record player I guess I somehow have electricity for, huh? She's all, I'll show you something. She strips and swims <laughs> in the pool, then drags me in. We have sex underwater for ten seconds when we surface them all. Show me what? <gasps> <laughs> So quick. This ho- the homeless people nuke some CG, so there's a storm. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I get back, so I get back into my bobble copter to fly around in it. I torque the hydrofoils, click my intercom button, and go, looks like some pretty risky business ahead. <coughs> Weather-wise, I wink at you guys. I'm all copy that over. Pretty bad storm brewing. Looks like real days of thunder. <laughs> I wink again. There's no answer from Tilda Swin. I'm all, guess it's just you and me this time, Bob. But then I notice he's gone, too. When I lift off, I see he's having sex with her in the pool. Sometimes I get the feeling he's cheating on me. I fly back down to Zion and get captured instantly and tied to a chair in the dark. (laughs) Or Freeman lights a cigar and goes, I'm Morgan Freeman. (laughs) If you think I didn't do much in Olympus has fallen, what are you telling my contributions in this shit? That's my dignified old black voice. In case you're... He snaps a PA's fingers, and the dim lights dimly sort of come up hazily on a bunch of extras standing around everywhere on catwalks, doing, saying, and thinking nothing. Morgan Freeman's all, I think this is what's left of the human race, or maybe it's just my tribe, or whatever. Anyway, the only one of these people you need to keep straight is Jamie Lannister. You don't even see the dog again. I mean... I've been watching you, Tom. You're curious. Tilda Swinton's not curious, which seems out of character for an astronaut. Maybe she wasn't on it all along, or the pyramid messed with her brain to make her more pliant, but forgot to do the same thing with you. Getting a little spoilery, though. Forget all that. Actually, I could just tell you what's going on in two sentences, but then the movie would be half an hour shorter. Go into the forbidden zone, but you may not like what you find. I'm pretty certain the audience won't. I'm all okay. I think they let me go. I wasn't listening. I go to my secret cabin and listen to some Bob Seger in my underwear. (laughs) Remember? Then I turn the sound down to look at you guys and go, I sure am the color of money with envy for 20th century inhabitants. 
this is a sad line, so my wink this time is teary, like that Indian we threw garbage at in the 70s. Then I grin again and turn the volume back up and dance around some more. Eventually, some CG in the sky blows up again, so even though I'm in stealth mode from Tilda Swinton, I radio her and Bob and go, Hey guys, some shit blew up and crashed. I'm going to go stare at it for a few seconds. She's all negatory. Sally says investigating mechanical anomalies is not part of your job description. <laughs> it's appearing drones. <laughs> I'm, I'm part British, so that's why that's easy for me. Which part? <laughs> hey! Fingus. Please. It's not this kind of... Let's save it's a science podcast. I'm, I'm going to investigate anyway. We're like 45 minutes into this fucking thing. She's all, no! I'm all, sorry, Tilda. I feel firm on this one. Wink. I get the sense your patience is finally wearing thin, so I clear my throat uneasily and fly to the crashed CG site, find some fiery wreckage burning around a few totally unharmed styrofoam containers containing that Russian chick who was topless in Hitman and allergic to fire in Quantum of Solace and a bunch of extras. Luckily, the drone that shows up and starts arbitrarily blasting all these pods saves the female lead for last, so I wait. It obliterates all the rest of them, then heroically obstruct it and ask it to stand down. Eventually, it gets bored and flies away. Though it's the first time a situation like this has ever arisen, when I come home carrying a younger, hotter girl in my arms, whom I tell her it's my actual wife, Tilda Swinton just got to make it weird. Great, now I got three chicks with accents up in my shit. After Tilda Swinton keeps trying to murder the Russian chick, I call a truce by taking the new one back down to Earth with me so she can search the fire for exposition. I ask a few times what the fuck's going on in different tones, but every time she's all, Sorry, my major was in hibernation. <laughs> I gotta seriously research things. Accents. I'm gonna read things on the internet. But I know we were married. The Russian chick, by the way. <laughs> I'm all, that's weird. I have zero memories of our marriage or anything except giving you the ring on Empire State Building. She's all, this ring? I'm all, yeah, that one around your neck I didn't notice all this time. Guess my curiosity has its limits, huh? I mean, uh, who are you? And why'd you put that ring on a chain around your neck instead of on your finger if we were both aboard the same ship? She's all, that's classified, but we were astronauts. I'm all married astronauts. That seems kind of implausible. She's all, Tilda Swinton was another one. Now how implausible is it? I'm all, this is crazy. I feel like I'm losing it. I try to wake, but my eyes are wide shut. <laughs> I fight with one of my doubles, none of whom I guess I've seen before, and trick it into shooting my new girlfriend in the stomach. Then I tie the other me up and fly back up to the pool to get some stomach bandages. Tilda Swift knocks me out. <laughs> Don't use that chick you just had to bring on a top-secret space mission and save by dropping into orbit for 60 years to never be noticed by us or the pyramid. I hate you. I'm all pyramid. We break up so a robot shoots her, so I roll my eyes and fly to my doubles pool lab and grab some anti-stomach wound band-aids there and break up with that Tilda Swinton. Then head back down to Earth to see if What's-Her-Face is blood out yet in the remaining bazillion hours. I guess I tied it my double up shittily because he's gone without having stuck around to ask me questions or evince much curiosity in the wounded chick in my cave. <laughs> Stupid writers. 
I bring Russian girl back to life by making her sit up and kissing her while music plays. Then a garage door beside me opens, and Morgan Freeman lights another cigar and goes, Welcome back, Tom. I guess we live in this cave now. Anyway, now you know that you're a former astronaut whose top secret mission was to approach an alien ship with no weapons of any kind, get sucked inside, cloned into a super army, then replaced by a bunch of drones that break constantly. Um, yeah, you are our best. At least at getting captured and killing your own kind. Any questions? I'm all, yeah, you said you've been watching me. Why don't you just leave me a note in one of the books that said, Dear Tom, you're a former astronaut, blah, blah, yeah. Jamie Lannister's all, we don't have time for this, and shoots me in the stomach. I moan, guess I didn't make all the right moves. My bullet hole winks feebly. Is that Tom's nose or Dingus's? Yes. Before I pass out, I write some words in blood on my sleeve. Note to self, next space mission, maximum love interests one. This time, Jamie Lannister goes up to get stomach band-aids and break up with Tilda Swinton. Then three robots attack the caves, but we trick them by repeatedly having someone with a gun off screen wait till it looks like we're all going to die, and then shoot it from behind. We get a rocket ship from somewhere, and I get it and fly up to the evil mothership, which I guess I've never been to before. The southern chick that the pyramid likes to pose as goes, Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Oh, she's going to say so much, too. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. You just scanned the DNA of your other passenger, and it's Morgan Freeman. And we detect that your co-pilot, some toast-sized nuclear ordinance that also plays flashbacks from before your memory wipe. See, she's merged, because she's a computer. I'm not a lamb. <laughs> what kind of shit are you pulling, y'all there, Cruz? You have five seconds to explain, and I'm warning you, we can tell when you're lying, although if you use vague terminology, we'll be satisfied. I'm all, uh, this should be a real explosion? Proceed. <laughs> we get into the ship docking bay where the pyramid likes to hang out, and I drag out the iron lung that I trick the pyramid into thinking contains a hot Russian girl, 40 pounds lighter and whiter than its actual occupant. I open it, and Morgan Freeman sits up, looks around in perplexity, and goes, What the fuck? I thought you meant we were going to... Clones, clones. <laughs> Why are you going to fix my wound? Jesus. I'll fuck you, Morgan, and click a thermostat in my fist and blow up every alien ever and every drone. This starts a fireworks show that lasts years. Jamie Lannister goes to my cabin, so I guess it wasn't that well hidden, where Russian lives with somebody's kid, and he's about to put the moves on her, but then my clone escaped being tied up years ago. Staggers at his nearby thorn bushes and falls into the mud. Jamie Lannister's all, fuck, how many good men did we lose fighting this dumbass war when we could have just used you as a Trojan horse 60 years ago? My clone's all, a few. He winks. <laughs> and... Uh, Kelly Wan, Dingus and I, I mean, we're both very much looking forward to the Opsis, but we, uh, we, we, we guessed how many like plot points you would misunderstand. Um, I tried to be dumber than normal. Well, I guessed two. Dingus said, no, probably just one. Uh, so I think I actually got it right. Wait, I missed two. Well, I see, I'll miss some for comic effect, and that's not necessarily... No, see, I think you missed... So the, the idea about the cabin getting electricity, it clearly showed that he has like the a little wind uh, windmill thing going and solar panels. I was so, hoping that you would say the word windmill. 
Why? <laughs> I was about to say that too. Why? It's, it's, a not, it's not pronounced the same as cornmeal. It's a windmill. Uh, also, uh-huh. Kelly Wan, you got out of order when he gets captured by Morgan Freeman. That's uh-huh. only after he finds Olga Karolinko. That's um, just boredom not, and laziness. Okay. So one know. and a half, I guess. What? As far <laughs> as like things you got wrong. Oh, okay. All right. So every joke now has to be. But there's there's no real try harder moment here. Let, let's be honest. No, the electricity thing. All right. Uh, well, I don't think that it rises to try harder. But okay. you're right. It wasn't as memorable. It wasn't as Game of Thrones and the Charles Dance, who looks kind of like Fassbender, said try harder in an episode. And then I like tried to tug at one of your sleeves, but you weren't in the room because <laughs> I'm not watching Game of Thrones. See, try harder is like a thing now. So I win in a way. You do. We well, all, ultimately, we Kelly won. Win. Yeah, mm-hmm. we all win when you win, Kelly. I won. thought there were actually way more plot points I didn't understand. Than even two. Well, maybe Dingus and I can help you with some of those. But uh, first, let's get Dingus in here. Dingus, what did you think of, uh, of Joseph Kaczynski's Oblivion? Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. What? <laughs> no, um, I prefer not to uh, to deal with Mr. Kaczynski at this point. I, you know, I don't care for it, to be honest. Did okay. Tom Cruise see Tron Legacy beforehand? Go. All right, I want to make a movie like this, but. Way cheaper. Any, any. When, when we get to a moment where Captain Kirk is fighting himself, and I knew that was coming, I'm kind of checked out. Uh, it's also I, derivative. There's no awesome twist where you go, "Wait, this was in Moon." Or well, I, I do I like that there that there's a moment that makes me think about other movies like The English Patient. I love that that I had an English Patient. Oh, that's a good one. I like that in this movie. But uh, and and I really think that everybody's trying really hard. Uh, I love how hard uh, Tom Cruise is trying, um, but there's so there's so many little things that that made me upset. I mean, I just get upset when uh, there's so many cool visual things that could happen, but they're just throwaways. And I guess that's maybe part of the appeal. Um, but if 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 uh, I don't know, a Statue of Liberty or a Leaning Washington Monument or huge aircraft carriers are just throwaways, and I don't really, I don't know. I, I like those moments to have impact, and to me, this this movie just threw them away like so many like little video game cutscene moments. So. What was the English patient connection? Cave. Chick in the cave left to, uh... but he saves this one, so it's not like he... Well, Dingus brought it up. I'm curious what he had in mind. Uh, no, 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 that's it. That's, that's when he, when he uh, you know... Um, when he drags Olga Kirilenko up to the cave, and then he runs off to get the med kit, because presumably the bubble copter can't have a med kit in it. Right, and, and he can't bring her up with him. And, and, then just and he goes away forever, and then he comes back. You know, That just reminds me of that, the moment at the end of The English Patient, where mm-hmm. he with runs totally different consequences. Uh, with the, uh, with uh, absolutely different consequences, yeah. yeah I didn't even... You get The English Patient? I didn't know. I did not catch that. I also had no idea that the clone twist was coming. I love the fact that I am just dense enough to only know things when most directors want me to know them. I saw the trailer and it ruins every minute. So, so hold on a second. When when he's looking through the scope on on the dunes of Tatooine there, and you don't know that he's going that he's going to approach himself. Nope, had no idea. I mean, I even noticed, oh, look, his little thing is broken uh, on the little prop, whatever. And then he tries to look through it, and it's clicky, and I'm like, oh, I guess he's going to have to go talk to the dude because he can't see anything about it. No, I had no idea until the movie wanted me to know. Well, he's number 49. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, it's obvious that he's number forty-nine for a reason. He's, well, he's, right? There are there are there at least right. There are obviously at least forty-eight other techs, of course. When he approaches that dude at the and he's like, "Hey, stop! What are you doing?" Rawr, rawr. Uh, and you know that when he turns around, it's going to be Tom Cruise looking at Tom Cruise, and then okay, we're well, going to maybe have, no. I do not know. No, absolutely not, because I do not know. Maybe you do, but I I only knew the clone <laughs> bit exactly when Joseph Kaczynski wanted me to know it. I had no okay. idea. I thought he was going down there because he knew that if the guy repaired it, the drone was going to pick him off. Um, it seemed like a self-preservation move. Uh, I, I mean, I obviously knew, oh, so there's other techs working the place. But until he got down there and saw himself, I had no idea. Uh, He's never seen them before, ever. In the well, I mean, I thought the idea, obviously, they set up the radiation zones because they don't want people talking to each other. Right. But I didn't know it was going to be because he, he saw himself. Uh, because they, I, didn't, I had no idea it was going to be because there were other Tom Cruises around there. Um, all right, so uh, Kelly Wand, uh, you get in here. What, what did you think of, of Oblivion? Mm, I thought it was kind of nondescript, and that mm-hmm. much happens in it. It's like there's two shootouts that resolve. It's Deus Ex Machina's. The drones aren't. I don't know. It's like most of it's Tom Cruise trying to figure out the, who we assume is the villain is the villain, and then everything else felt recycled from other movies, I thought. Um, and also, I, when he goes, it's like this was in the trailer, too. It's like we know so little. The opposite, when he goes humans, he sees like the styrofoam pods. I don't even know why that's supposed to be a huge twist because we don't know. I like his, were the see maybe I'm stupid. Were the scabs aliens? Were yes. Supposed to be? Okay. Yes. But they were called scab. But that could have been. <laughs> so for 60 years they've left their armor on until that one moment. Well, for 60 years they the armor. Morgan, Morgan Freeman explains that it keeps them. It protects them from the scanners. That so that the uh, the little tech the the and, Andrea Riceboros can't see them. Um, that's I what they wear it, and they and the, and the drones can't discern. I mean, it helps to uh, confuse the drones. It's not only the armor, but it's also the way that it messes with their voices, so that the drones have a hard time of getting a lot on uh, them most of most of the time. But in all that time, they, did they want to catch a Tom Cruise and just failed for sixty years, or was it even sixty years? No, for all that time, they've been watching them, uh, the, the various Tom Cruises. But this Tom Cruise was scavenging, presumably because he'd been exposed to literature, was scavenging like books and cultural artifacts and keeping them in a little secret hideout. So this Tom Cruise, they thought, was the one. Uh, well, it's, that, not, it's not just that. No, it's that Morgan Freeman seeded him. I mean, Morgan Freeman sort of created him. Did he, he leave he, the book on purpose? For him? He started leaving that. things for him, and then and then he saw, oh, this is happening, and then he and then he, it, it's like he's uh, I, the the thing I got was that Morgan Freeman saw something and then started just leaving more and more breadcrumbs, so that he sort of maybe it's uh, chicken and the egg, but kind of created him in the way. Maybe not. We're making the sound more thought. I don't know. Tom, Tom, did you like the twist and stuff? I think Tom liked it. Let's hear what. No, I, I did. I loved it. I loved this. I thought. Uh, it, I, I completely. Agree. <laughs> uh, I completely agree that it's derivative. But I have no problems with movies that are derivative, or 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 books or video games or whatever. I don't think something being derivative is necessarily a liability if it appreciates and understands what it's drawing from. And I thought this movie. Even though it, it wasn't up there with classics I'm about to mention, but it was clearly inf- influenced by and appreciated the significance of classics like Moon, Blade Runner, Silent Running, Total Recall, uh, The Matrix. Um, I thought this was a great bit of science fiction, uh, and it drew from some great sources. Um, I loved the look of it. 
I loved the twists. I got every single twist fooled me. Like every single twist I really? didn't see coming. See, Absolutely. I was, I'm jealous because I, even the ones that weren't in the trailer and it did give away to, like they didn't give away the clone one. But I was like, I was like Dingus. I was like, oh, it's going to be him. No, the trailer, they give away that awesome, well, I loved it. The, they, get, they give away the scene where uh, Morgan Freeman brings the lights up and we see that they're all human. Uh, and that's a horrible thing to give away right. in the trailer. Because Tom, Tom Cruise clearly says in the voiceover that alien scavengers blew up the moon and they fought a war with them. I mean, that gets, he actually does that little um, prologue twice. <laughs> like, he, yeah. he delivers it a couple that's of times. Uh, trailer. But there's never any question. I mean, did you ever question that those were going to turn out to be humans? I mean, from the no beginning. idea. Well, here's the deal. When he's in the uh, – yeah, no, I thought they would be aliens. When he's in the library, um, they, they clearly kind of cheat and make it – and I know this because I watched the trailer after seeing the movie. And the trailer shows what seems to be a four-legged creature attacking him. So they clearly imply with some sort of creative – camera shots and 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 use of, um, but they clearly imply that they're i thought non-human things attacking them with all the and that and they do the growl sounds um oh come on tom that's just they're humanoid and they, this metal i don't know it's just easy <laughs> oh no not that dog <laughs> but they clearly are cheating to show you and that's why morgan freeman has that silly thing about the voices it's so that they can make all these growly sounds and i thought you know why isn't it going to be aliens that that's one of the advantages by the way of not watching a trailer and not well. knowing anything about oblivion going in is yeah i thought they set me up for yeah tom cruise is going to fight aliens and i, I frankly having seen Tron and having such low expectations for this, had no reason to expect that it wasn't going to be Tom Cruise fighting aliens. Um, so I, I took everything at face value. Titan, you know, and, and they start seeding doubt about some of this. But all the stuff about Titan, all the stuff about, uh, you know, the, the war, and, and they're, they're running drones. And, you know, I thought maybe he's going to meet the aliens. We're going to find out more about them. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm dense enough that everything I only knew when the director wanted me to know. Uh, I wish I was that gullible. <laughs> can't be surprised anymore because they're not. Now you're making it sound like genuine surprises. But well, well, it, well, let's go back to the beginning of the movie then, um, because from the beginning of this, uh, with the way the music is sort of generically throbbing and I the voiceover, Eric, I, I want to say that, that this is what this is what, what I'm going to ask you. I'm sort of leading into this is that for me the the music this m83 music and uh, right. or m83 music and the the voiceover they're both so generic and monotonous to me and and that starts from the beginning and so what i'm going to ask you is did the music and that voiceover work for you the music in the voiceover to me was like, oh, yeah, this is the guy that made Tron all right. You know, it's kind of this light daft punk, even some of the melodies, by the way. Like, I don't pretend to know music, but I love that daft punk Tron soundtrack. And it totally felt to me, and I was surprised to find out this is MA3, it totally felt to me like some budget rate daft punk imitation where yeah. Joseph Kaczynski was like, yeah, give me something kind of like the Tron soundtrack. But because I love that Tron soundtrack, I'm okay with it being derivative of that, just like I'm okay with this movie being derivative of Moon and Blade Runner. You know, I love those movies, and if some if Joseph Kaczynski wants to do his version of those, I'm okay with that. So, Dingus, with that soundtrack, I, I liked the music, uh, the voiceover. I, I think the idea of the voiceover, and I would have to see it again, and, and by the way, I intend to. I think the idea of the voiceover is that we're hearing Tech 52 and not Tech 49. Um, so I, even though it feels clunky, of Tron, that's interesting. But you're looking at 49, right? 
I think the narrative framework here, and I could be wrong, but I got this impression at the end, is that we're hearing Tech 52 tell the story of Tech 49. Listen, no, I know. I, I think uh, you're right. I mean, the, the very first thing you, you hear him say is, what is he? I know you, but we've never met. I'm, I'm, right. And, and that's the thing. But I think you're right about that. And I didn't know that when the when – the, so when the voiceover comes up and the music comes up and I'm like, oh, derivative, Tron, whatever. When at the end it kind of does this twist that kind of redeemed it. I was like, oh, okay, that voiceover was kind of doofusy, but now I see why they did it. Now I understand what, what they're wanting to get at here. It wasn't so, as ex- – it's like in Looper where he talks to himself as a – like you have the same character talking to himself. There was nothing that exciting. Like I was kind of hoping for the two Toms to be – like, there's no payoff for that. It's like, once you see him, then he runs away again, then just comes back to the other Well, you know, know I, I suddenly yeah. like the voiceover now, because until you said that, I didn't think about that, that it could be 52 instead of 49. And, and because, there's... Because ahead, that makes more sense, because something I hate is a voiceover by a character that can't have done the voiceover at the end of the movie, right. and that makes a lot more sense now based on the end of the movie. And, I, you know, I tend to like voiceovers, or I tend to be forgiving of them. For instance, I, I'm hugely forgiving of the Harrison Ford voiceover in Blade Runner. I'm, I'm unapologetic. I love that. I, I understand why they eliminated it. I understand why people hate it. But I just love a good voice and listening to it, and he's got a good voice. And so... Now that you kind of overlay that idea of 52 on it, I kind of like it a little bit more. But at the beginning, it really turned me off because sure. the music is just so monotonous and generic. And, uh, and uh, I, I can't go with you on it being uh, even a pale imitation of the, the stuff that I liked uh, about Tron Legacy. I just see, Dingus, I can't because I can't give you all. I can't give you generic, but I will give you ripoff. Like, I, I will give you blatant Tron ripoff uh, before I'll give you generic. Um, well, you know, they're, they're flying through when – when, when we're in the sequence where they're flying through the canyons and the, and the drones are chasing them and we're right. doing this silly little – that music, it could be from any movie from Cloud Atlas to any bizarre, Tron. ridiculous Tron or action movie. Or It's just, to me, utterly generic, and it starts from the beginning, and it just seems like I'm just sitting here – on this music that's just going to bob me in the ocean for hours on end. So Did I want to talk. Uh, I, w- I want to talk oh. about that canyon chase scene because it, it's very similar. Tron has a very similar. Hey, let's do a cool space flight dogfight kind of thing. Uh, you know, obviously, I presume Joseph Kaczynski likes the trench run from Star Wars because um, we have that. In, you know, there's there's some kind of like fighter chase thing in Tron, and there's a very similar one here in Oblivion. A difference for me. Tron, I thought, I mean, we none of us here really liked Tron. Uh, Tron was silly, and I there was no meaningful characterization in it. But by the time we get to that canyon chase, I've, I really cared about the characters. You know, I was wrapped up enough in the movie that I really liked that canyon chase for a couple of reasons. One being that I cared about the characters, but also I feel that unlike Tron, where they don't explore the rules of this universe. And, uh, you know, in the original Tron, there's cool stuff with the light cycles turning at right angles to demonstrate, hey, there's no real physics here. All that went out the window in the Tron remake, and I feel like Joseph Kaczynski just splashed a bunch of stuff that he thought looked cool. But here, I felt like the the design aesthetic I, I loved the look of this movie as well from the cinematography to the production design to the to the design of the the hardware the design aesthetic of these little orbs figured into the action for me the way that the the orb the the drones could shoot forwards and backwards at the same time the way he could turn around the the cockpit inside the bubble ship 
I, I thought they were playing with that much more in terms of these are the rules of this design of these hardware designs, and now we're going to have them fight each other in a canyon. Uh, I really liked some of that stuff. Even, I loved, I adored one specific shot in Mm. that chase scene where it's basically from Tom Cruise's seat, and he's looking over at Olga Karolinko, (laughs) and and we see the drone pull up, and it's it's from a car chase. You know, you see this shot in a car chase where the other car pulls up and then bangs into the the car, and it's shot from inside the car getting banged into. But this, the drone pulls up, and it bangs into the, the cockpit, breaks the glass, and we, and, but the, the, bulk of the shot is Olga Kirilenko's face, obviously being frightened, looking to Tom Cruise for comfort. Just the framing of that shot, the, the emotion in it, and the way that the scene was expressing this hardware design. I adored that one little shot, for instance. And it, it, it redeemed what could have just been a bunch of cool special effects. You know, we had a similar chase scene in, in the Total Recall remake, which I enjoyed the sort of the energy of it. But this was like that with a cool bit of directorial input, that, that shot of Olga Kirilenko, and I cared about the characters. So by the time we got around to, I, I'm assuming it bounced off of you guys, but by the time we got around to that canyon chase, I loved that sequence. Actually, you, you know, you're, you're right about that, actually, because uh, the weight of that scene makes a huge amount of difference. Go ahead, Kelly. Uh, it's like she goes, are we going to die? And he's all, no. And then he kind of looks and he's all, oh, maybe. And then they go in there. But but more importantly, he says, are you okay? And she says, no. Um, There's there's this wonderful sense, and and I really like that you reminded me of this, Tom, because what I love about that sequence, and that's a really good sequence, and it's different, and I didn't even think about the Total Recall uh, and how I felt about – I mean, I really like that sequence in Total Recall, but here it feels like the stakes are higher because – I don't know how to say this, but the the G-Force – uh, stuff in this particular yeah, yep, thing yep. is is so well done. I don't know how they did it, but but the two of them in that pod racer thing that they're in, I really get the feeling of the G forces. I I get the feeling of them being jerked around and the change of gravity and all of that, and you really get a sense of. Uh, of a different sense of what gravity is doing to them, what flying is doing to them, and what weight is doing to them. So I really do like that. That's a you make a good point. So yeah, I, I'll and give even, you that. Even in that ship, I mean, Dingus, you rightly pointed out there's something very video gamey about a lot of this stuff. And I'm assuming that Joseph Kaczynski is of, of an age where that's a, a significant influence on him. But you know, I look at things like the avionics and some of the sequences in from inside that ship with a cockpit, and a lot of it does look like some space arcade fighter. I mean, there's a very video gamey sense to it, but it does feel like a consistent aesthetic to me, and they do some really gorgeous stuff with it, from when he flies into the clouds and the rain is on the windshield, to him coming in over the, the burning wreckage. Um, you know, video gamey, absolutely, but I didn't feel like it it, it was uh, necessarily a bad thing here. Um well, for for me, video gamey. Uh, I'm talking about how, uh, from a CG point of view, we can splash anything we want into the screen, and there's absolutely no, uh, there's no sense that we have to make it be of any import. So if mm-hmm. if I want to have uh, Paris flying overhead, or if I want to have the Washington Monument or the Statue of Liberty over here, we can just throw anything we want, and it doesn't have to have any import because it's not going to cost us anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of resent that because I. I want to see – if I see the Statue of Liberty, I want it to make a difference. I don't want just to fly by it. But that's not the point of this. But that's just my feeling about the aesthetic. It just feels like in a video game, you can throw any of that 
crap up, and we're just going to throw it up, and we can afford to throw anything we want to onto the screen. Let me let me bring up another video gamey sequence, and I don't know if this is video gamey so much as like blatantly CG that I almost didn't like, but it, then it did one thing where I was like, you know what, that you've redeemed yourself. So when the three drones get into Zion, you know, into the little uh, human resistance base, uh, there's one really gratuitous shot where the camera is following one drone around as it's zipping around this, these industrial corridors and uh, between girders and stuff, and it's obviously a bit of CG wizardry. Uh, and we're just watching the drone, and it's shooting things, and it's zipping kind of at right angles up and then down and then around and then over a hallway and then past poor Zoe Bell, who never gets any lines. Uh, and then at the end of the sequence, it bumps into a garter. It screws up. You know, the CG <laughs> interacts with a piece of – I mean, I'm pretty sure it's all CG, but interacts with what would otherwise be a part of the practical set. And I loved that. I loved that this crazy, super-efficient robot drone – messes up. It's kind of like when an actor fumbles with a prop or something, and suddenly it feels real. Now, obviously, this was a very calculated thing. They wanted to do it in the CG, but this otherwise crazy just, you know, it, it has no interaction with the physical environment. Near the end of that scene, they're like, hey, and look, it bumps into a girder. That that really, I, I loved that little detail, and it redeemed what would have otherwise just been a bunch of animation for me. Um, well, it also makes the humans look smarter, because it's like, this is where we live in the caves. Fucks up those flying balls. <laughs> uh, but I, it, there was always just three. Like three didn't seem like enough of a third act menace. I thought maybe. Like if why don't all the drones come in there? What's there is saying? a shot in the trailer that has something like twenty drones on screen that I, I guess they didn't use or maybe I don't recall it. Well, the uh, very end before the you know before we upload the alien oh that's fire. right you're right uh, this, uh, yeah, yeah. Right, the Independence Day moment. Can I can I just ask a quick question because I didn't understand something? Huh? Why is the world covered in dirt? Silt. Is it because is it because of the moon? <laughs> I like that niggas. Uh, I don't know that there's an answer to that because how much does it weigh? Also, uh, I, well, I, I have the a, circumference of the moon now that it's blown up. <laughs> uh, I just didn't. I, I like the the visual idea of these canyons that are, and and because dirt is covering all the buildings up to their hilts or the tops or whatever. I just don't understand why. Does a building have a hilt, Dingus? It does. If you if you draw it from your scabbard. Uh, why I'm guessing is I I don't know that there's much consistency here. I mean these these ruins are what I call because Lord knows I've explored plenty of them in video games. Uh, these are what you call fantasy ruins. You know they're you know buildings have collapsed and skyscrapers have crumbled. But oh the the Empire State Building that one's sticking up. Washington Monument yep that's still up there. Uh, the torch from the Statue of Liberty, yep, that's right there in the canyon. We'll make sure to get that. Uh, when he goes into the building, even though the world's supposedly been racked by earthquakes, there's going to be a snow globe and some, some sunglasses still arranged on top of a shelf. Um, these, these are fantasy ruins. Uh, it's not at all a realistic portrayal of, like, a ruined Earth. Uh, and I, I guess I'm okay with that. I didn't, I didn't mind it so much. Um, but... Uh, so as as for things being covered with with mud dingus and, and dirt and stuff, I'm guessing that the rationale is because somebody thought it looked cool. <laughs> well, I didn't know if it was because when when the scavengers decided to wreck the moon, the tides changed and then dirt covered everything except the Brooklyn Bridge or the Golden Gate Bridge. I can't tell where we are because I can't remember. Uh, sure. It's partially covered, but then all the way up to the top of the Empire State. I, I just didn't understand why. 
I didn't understand the geography of this world, and I didn't get any sense that it was consistent in any way. I thought it was all New York, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was all New York, because it's the New York Public Library. They make a point to show us that. Of course, the Empire State Building, I think you see the Brooklyn Bridge, one of the supports for that. Um, Yeah, so I'm pretty sure it's all all New York under mud. The New York Stadium, whatever it's called. Oh, right, right. That's probably the New York Sports Arena or whatever they would call it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And also, uh, Kelly Wand, uh, come on, surely you appreciated the nods to Kubrick in in this production design. You of all people. No, those 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 drones totally look like the pods from two thousand and one. Well, well the, the the thing no. at the end is totally how. I mean, come on. I am God. That, that's how. I don't know about how because at all. No, the the, the light of uh, Leo is Hal's eye. I mean, it's totally right. how at the end. Uh, I don't think the. The dis- why I would disagree there, Dingus, is I think Hal is like part of why Hal is iconic is as a rogue AI. I, I think what no, I'm just talking about the visual of the light of the pyramid oh. as Melissa Leo's voice is talking to him right there inside okay. the pyramid. See, it's, just, the- it's clearly a Hal visual. I, I don't want to uh, minimize how much Kaczynski obviously borrowed from Kubrick because I definitely see that, but I see more of it in the the little red eye for the the drones. You know, and and then of course uh, the 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 Tet. Red eyes are all science fiction because Terminator was red eyes too. Every fucking movie. well, they're lasers. You know, lasers are red. Duh. So yeah, there you go. But but I think the Melissa Leo construct is obviously like an alien intelligence rather than a rogue AI yes. thing. Uh, and and that's another thing too is I like the reveal about uh, like I I didn't see any of that coming about smuggling in Morgan Freeman's body who had previously said I wish I could see its face um, I didn't get any of this the, you know the flashback about the astronaut stuff was all kind of a reveal to me why uh, Andrea Riceboro acted towards him like that was a reveal to me like the the memories she must have been having and responding to. Um, all of that, I love those reveals, and they all got me. You know, I, d- I didn't see him coming. The picture, even. You don't feel like that's a cheat when Morgan Freeman shows up at the end? Like, they couldn't, like, they, they, their AI couldn't have figured out. We can trace Tom Cruise's DNA across the corners of the globe, but well, we can't figure because, out that this why, is Morgan Freeman. Let me ask you, Dingus, why can they trace Tom Cruise's DNA? Because it's the clones. Exactly. They don't have clones of Morgan Freeman and Olga Karolinko. I mean, I think that's an important point, and I don't, I don't pretend, by the way, that the movie is airtight, but I think that obviously they can trace Tom Cruise's DNA because they've made thousands of him. But they um, can't make him so he's uh, bitchy and not inquisitive like Tilda Swinton. Well, that's the thing, Kelly Wan. The reveal is that the stuff that haunts her is that she was in love with him. Uh, the stuff that haunts him is that he was obviously in love with his wife. You know, that's why uh, the the little – when we find out she takes the picture on the ship and we see that, you know, her the pre-clone version of, of Victoria, I think her name was, uh, that's that's something we learn is that her character was in, was in love with him. I do like that moment very, very much. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about actors, by the way. Uh, I – you know, as, as much as I'm happy to make fun of Tom Cruise like everyone else – whether it's Ghost Protocol or even the awful Jack Reacher movie, and certainly this, man, that guy just, it's, I, I don't know that I would say he can do no wrong, but he's just so good at what he does, and he seems to be so meticulous about making sure he's in movies that take advantage of what he does. I really liked him in this. Is that crazy? I think no, not at all. I, 
I love him. Um, the the thing that I wanted more, what I left, I loved him most in lately in Night and Day. I love how he takes advantage of that bit of his humor. And I think that the moments I loved him most in this are that moment that Kelly referenced a little bit earlier when she says, uh, what are we, we going to die? He says, no, maybe. He's got such a great sense of humor. Uh, and and I think this movie could have used much more sense of humor and far less earnestness. I mean, that's, I, I just think that if 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 going forward, and I really, really like Tom Cruise, and I'm with you, Tom, uh, I don't think he can do much wrong at all. I love why I didn't see Jack Reacher, so I don't know. But I, I think the more he takes advantage of his sense of humor going forward, the better he's going to be. I felt that would have been out of place here. I mean, I agree with you, Dingus. He, he can be really funny. I love it when, like, when, like, you know, action heroes who normally play straight men do funny stuff, whether, you know, Colin Farrell, Mark Wahlberg, whatever. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. But I'm glad that there wasn't more humor. I mean, so this this was definitely an earnest movie. Um, Kelly Wan, you started to say you thought Tom Cruise was miscast? Yeah, because in War of the Worlds is where he's an everyman, and I kind of believed him as that character because mm-hmm. he's also kind of a cool – like, he had this big crane at the beginning. Like, I kind of got his blend of qualities. But in this, he's, like, kind of smirking at the beginning, and it was having trouble visual. And then he, he's, like, a badass astronaut slash marksman, too. Um, so I had trouble getting a handle on, on what his guy was all about. I, I, I do like that. again that that's a reveal that he was a kind of an international celebrity who was who was cloned to destroy the earth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but then you lose his. I just don't understand uh, why that's necessary. Because he's the Boba, or he's the Django Fat clone trooper. <laughs> but it was also the only one it had. Like he goes, "Oh, you are our best." He used the best against us. But it's like he—they sent the best in on the suicide mission like, to do what? What did he need to do? Them? What I know. Like what's he, what was the real mission? <laughs> Why can't they just send a bunch of Keanu Reeves down, or a bunch of people who look different, or just dogs? I, mean, I don't understand why he's necessary. Well, presumably, I mean, we don't know what we don't know, and I kind of appreciate this. We don't know a lot about the alien intelligence or what it's doing. All that we know is that it's like going from planet to planet, sucking up. I, I, I guess it was thirsty, like it wants water. It, but then it takes the first guy it gets and goes, "Okay, you're the clone, yep. or you're the best." Yes, Kelly one. Yes, that that what you just said. Yes, it takes the first ones that, that was it gets. either our question. Oh, okay. And it just uses both of them. Yeah. Uh, and and also for the clone thing, I uh, boy, and I I liked her long, but not long before this. But I've I've seen uh, Andrea Riseborough and other things. I loved her in this, and I, you know, I, I poor Olga Kurylenko. I mean, she's a gorgeous woman, but I think she's a little out of her out of her depth in most of the movies I see her in. And I did not feel like Tom Cruise traded up. In, in, in no, this movie. <laughs> definitely not. She doesn't. She doesn't know what anybody. It looks like she just constantly doesn't know what anybody's talking about. Like she doesn't speak English or something. Right. What did he say? But I, you're supposed to act like you. I, oh yeah, I understand what you said. You don't. What else has Andrea Riceboro been in? Because I loved her. 
she's been around for a while. She has a long career, and you can see her in some Mike Lee movies, I think. Um, but I most recently saw her. I told you about this movie, Dingus. Uh, Kelly, I'll tell you about this. There's a movie called Welcome to the Punch, and it's a first-time British director. Uh, and he apparently got a lot of money and a great cast for it. It's set in modern-day London, and it gives London this beautiful, gleaming, nighttime, glass-and-steel skyscraper look. Uh, like a, it's almost like one of the Batman movies. It, it's a really sleek, gorgeous movie. Hey, you're and you're about Skyfall, that Singapore thing. It, it's totally like I mean, not quite that that that's sexy, but uh, it's definitely trying for that look. So it's called Welcome to the Punch, and in it, it has uh, Mark Strong and Peter Mullen, who play uh. these criminals who have to come back to London because Mark Strong's son has been murdered. So they have to come back to London, but the cop that they had previously tussled with, who's been obsessed with finding them, is still there, still on the hunt for them. And and so it's about this cop conflicting with Mark Strong and Peter Mullen, and this cop's partner is Andrea Riseborough, and she is so good in this. Like, when I watched Welcome to the Punch, I was like, whoa, who was that? And she, it's a thankless role, and it's not even very well written, but she's just, like, so wry, and, and just she just exudes intelligence, and you're like, yeah, of course she's, like, a competent policeman, police officer. Um, but the problem with the movie is that, and the, of these, this dramatic structure, which is Mark Strong and Peter Mullen and Andrea Riseborough over here, the, the third point on this dramatic structure is... James McAvoy. <laughs> he's the cop. <laughs> and he's supposed to be just like so obsessed and driven. And that guy is such a freaking lightweight. I mean, he's fine in something like King of Scotland. Uh, he was in trance recently that I thought he just sort of scuttled that. And and it, it just, it just, it's like a hole underneath the movie that everything gets sucked into. So Andrea Riceborough is just, and she's in love with him and it is part of the deal. Uh, she's, she's really good in Welcome to the Punch. Uh, and I just loved her in this. Um, I just thought she I was like fascinating. As Professor X in that Cure <laughs> Well, you know, it, it, it's such a – in the X-Men, it's such an ensemble thing, and he definitely does his part with all these other actors, and him and Michael Fassbender are great. But I think just trying to, to occupy this really tough, obsessed, driven, leading man role, uh, it, he's a little too lightweight for that. Um, you guys are so, so cool to act I, that's, that's mean. But, but Andrea Riceboro, though, was great. Come on, Kelly. At least you liked her. Calling her Tilda Swinton, by the way? How dare you? Yeah, what the uh, heck? What is that? Well, British redheads. British <laughs> redheads for a thousand hours. I'm interested. Uh, can I ask another weird plot point question? I'm not trying to nitpick the movie. I just didn't really understand it. Okay. Um, I don't understand. The, you know, the, the Atlas Shrugged, we're going to find a, a special little place where we can all live that's beautiful. I don't understand. That's what Atlas Shrug is? Well, the, the, I don't understand. The, <laughs> yeah. That's why it's my place to live that's beautiful. Atlas. <laughs> We're going to fly a plane into a place nobody can find oh, in the Rocky book. Mountains. I don't, I don't understand how the whole world is covered in mud and he can fly through Niagara Falls and wind up at this cabin, but you still see... The I don't understand the fiction. I don't understand what's going on with this beautiful valley that's not covered in silt. What's the deal with that? The that alien that mist. I just don't understand it. And, and I'm, the, I'm not trying to nitpick. I just like somebody to say it's protected or what? What is that? Dingus. Dingus. Here we go. Dingus. Life finds a way. Ah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> in three dimensions, I'm sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think that was the idea. It's just some place, and it's where he got the flower from. I mean, it's some place that he had discovered, and because he had this newfound curiosity about art and culture and, and bands like Asia and Pink Floyd and Zeppelin, uh, because of that, he. You know, he wanted to show it to her, but he he didn't want to just tell her. He wanted to show, not tell, Dingus. Does um, she throw everything you her off the balcony? Like the <laughs> records? Like, hey, I found Pink Floyd. I don't think he brought her records. Yeah, I think that, I think he was, the the flower was like a trial balloon. <laughs> it did not go over well. Because <laughs> yeah, he didn't, like, present her with a baby. <laughs> uh, what did you guys think of the art room? Uh, which one? Be more specific. Oh, because so we did. We discover that the humans have been hoarding art. You know, oh, yeah. there's there's the shot of the bust past the bust. And, it reminded and me of 2012 at the beginning when there's that like car blows up because the Mona Lisa's on it or something, and then it all becomes irrelevant. Because John Cusack's novel. Is that what you're oh, 2012. About? I was thinking of 2010. I'm confusing. <laughs> no, I just well, got distracted by Tom's uh, solemnity thing with uh, the day after tomorrow. What? Oh, no, the church has reached the critical salination point. Yeah, <laughs> that's that. That's the that's the MacGuffin or whatever the the techno babble science and after. What's in the art room? I forget. What so I just it? like this idea that you know, that you know art that that people are are they're, they're protecting these works of art in this room in the in the the Zion as you called it, Kelly, in that that human settlement uh, is that where the humans have to fall back into this room where they they're trying to preserve works of art. That, that they've uh, that they've presumably scavenged. Um, they got all the best things, and that's also part of like Tom Cruise. That was his awakening. This idea that he was Kelly Wand. He found Dickens. Like Dickens was one of the novels that was prominently featured there. He found a lesser Dick- Dickens was. Yeah, but and, and how about some of that music? You know, I I was yeah. like, hey, that's music I grew up with. This is a movie for me. <laughs> and hey, look, we get a Zeppelin song. And then so here's another thing about like where I feel the movie played me like a violin. You oh don't God. hear a lot of Zeppelin in movies. So they start playing Ramble On when he's in his little uh, garden paradise, and they cut it off before it gets to the exciting part, where Robert Plant's actually singing the, the title of the song. And I was like, oh, I wanted to hear the rest of the song. Okay, whatever. <laughs> we have the rest of the movie, and then when he goes to <clears throat> blow up the alien AI, or the whatever, it's probably a real alien in there. When he goes to blow up the alien, then we get the payoff, and we hear the rest of the Zeppelin song. I just felt like, yes, thank you, Joseph Kaczynski. Well, what I like is that when you get to the Procol Harum song, it, he's like, that's not me. And I, I kind of like that, this idea of, that's not my music, that's, I, I don't know, I just like the identification there. And how about the scene where he's trying to save the other, uh, Vicky, the other Andrea Riceboro? Uh, I liked, I loved that scene. You know, I think a stupider movie wouldn't have had that. Um, so she's the same everywhere, but one of him's good she's the same everywhere but this is the version of him i mean so we know there's at least 50 others because we have 52, 52. and here 49 and 52 uh this is the one that uh that that because presumably his beat is new york city where there's more art and culture uh he's the one that gets uh, we got lucky. yeah see now i have a question maybe you guys can help me with after uh, Morgan Freeman lets him go and says, you may not like it, but you'll find the answers in the radiation zone. Right, yeah. um, they say, I wrote this down, uh, uh, Nicholas, or, uh, Morgan Freeman and um, Nicholas Coster Valdez. Lannister. Right. I, man, I love that dude. I love when he shows up. Uh, yeah, sure. uh, Nicholas Coster, whatever. He says to Morgan Freeman, what makes you think he's different? 
And Morgan Freeman's answer is, she does. Uh, Do you guys remember that line? And what was that? What what was he talking about? She thinks he's different. Therefore, she being being Olga? Okay. of elimination. Oh, no, wait. You mean that you think it's Sally? Is that what you're talking about? Is that That's one of the things that I'm wondering. Because later, when they come back and Olga Kirilenko introduces herself as his wife, Morgan Freeman seems surprised. Like, they don't know who she is. But he doesn't know. Morgan Freeman doesn't know that Sally exists, does he? He She doesn't pretend to be a NASA astronaut to Morgan Freeman. I guess this is what I'm a little confused about. Is I when, when favorite at that character. line I thought we're supposed to think that it's about Olga Kirilenko, but we later discover that it's about Sally. I, I don't know. He's or clearly talking about the motorcycle, which is also a part of the family. <laughs> or the female drone, the middle one. That's another thing. When you're in New York, your your bike will get stolen if you're not careful. <laughs> and, <laughs> <so Damn racist. laughs> and didn't you go ahead? Sorry, Dingus. I just liked what I liked at that moment was I expected when Morgan Freeman said, uh, I've been to the radiation zones. If you want the truth, it's over there. I expected Tom Cruise being the hero that he is to go, okay, then I'm going to the radiation zones. But he doesn't. He just goes back to turn. He's like, okay, yeah, he gets blown back and I'm, uh, I'm going to do my duty. I'm not going to the, ra- I'm just going to the Empire State Building and I'm going to get picked up by my flying bubble copter. Uh, it was not a bubble copter, it was a bubble ship. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> bubble ship. The bubble ship. Bobble head. There was a bobblehead in the bubble ship, Kelly Wand. Don't go shaky on me, Tom. <laughs> uh, and I liked two things like the lie detector entry, him passing the lie detector test. Uh, it was just a cool little twist. He, He's told a, he is like. Wait, so his pulse calmed down when he had to say the... No, the she knew he lie. was telling the truth, but she thought that he was telling the truth about turning That's... Olga Kirilenko over. Like he's, he says, know. he says it because it's our only hope for saving the human race. And so the alien was like, "Oh, that's why he's, you know, that's why he's turning her over. That's why he's nervous. Not, oh, he's got a bomb on board and he's about to kill me. But, oh, he's. This is why he's. This is why oh, he's. Because it's so dumb. Stop it. Uh, it can't detect the substance. Uh, I can't stand it. Independence Day. I can't stand it. We got inside. Super easy. I know it's way too easy. Victory. It's Morgan Freeman, and there's a nuclear bomb in here. No, we can't figure that out. Well, again, oh. they don't have magic scanners. The scanners can be defeated by the scavenger suits. They they can read, of course, Tom Cruise's uh, yeah. like his his heartbeat and stuff. That's that's a no brainer. So what he has to do <laughs> is tell the truth. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Uh, I like the uh, I liked calming the tethered drone like like it was a horse. I like oh, yeah. touches like that. Uh, I I loved the the sexy sky pool sequence. Um, I uh, which is a better sky pool, this or uh, this means war? Ugh. I don't even remember a sky pool in this means war or tower heist. <laughs> <laughs> don't you remember the pool that was over his apartment? Uh, in oh, a right. yes, yes. And a girl would jump in it the second he gets home every day. <laughs> I love that pool. I, I love that she dives into it and doesn't break her neck. Uh, I love that pool. I would love to. It's German. goes out and dances in the cosmic storm. Pool. But I, I, I'm sorry, I, I cut you off, Tom, on, on why you love that lie detector thing. I, I thought it was a good bit of writing. You know, that's how he gets around it is he just tells the truth. Uh, you know, and, uh, yeah. 
Uh, that's well, how you trying to lie to him. You tell the truth. He knows exactly the limitation. It's like, all right, I know it can scan the the other passenger, but not know it. She can tells scan. him the limitation. She says we can tell when you're lying, or I can tell when you're lying. So he just doesn't lie. He tells her the truth. He's doing it but because he's he that going in. He goes, all right, if I just do this, he has. Because the other thing is, I also have to not know that there's a bomb on the other seat, and that there's not a the, bomb on the other seat. That's the that's the the flight reporter. <laughs> and also, <laughs> the drones see him in the cave, so she would have known by then, before then, that he's turned. Uh, the drones do not have, at least from what we are shown, uh, <laughs> the drones do not have a camera feed to Sally. You hear that, Dingus? You can take that from him. Here's another thing that I I. I I hate this when you're watching a movie and you see a shot from supposedly like another character's watching a shot on a monitor, and the shot they yeah they I know what you're talking about, and the shot they use on the monitor is just Saved. footage. That, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just in the shot they use on the monitor is just footage the director has already right. shot, and he's just going to use that here. Here they didn't do that. Here all the footage was from the bubble copter. The, you caught me calling it now. It was from the bubble ship. Like, here it was all uh, uh, Vicky watching stuff shot from the bubble ship. Because uh, at first I was like, wait a minute, they're just using footage from the movie. Uh, and it was all bubble ship stuff. It would have changed to close-ups, though. You could zoom in, Kelly Wand. Uh, it's not, <laughs> 60 years we won't have that tech yet. Uh, and did you guys recognize Zoe Bell? Was that just me? Was she the girl? She's the she was the harsh faced woman who didn't get any lines, but they gave her plenty of uh, camera time for whatever. I, I liked her. She did just show up and look harsh yeah. to Nikolai. Survivors, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah. that's his love interest. He gets screwed. <laughs> he doesn't even get. Whose kid was that? Tom Cruise's or? Yeah, because because they have sex. That's another thing too. Is that, that's obviously that. uh, in his in his tear in that little cabin when he takes her back. Uh, and he says, that's not me. And she's like, well, close, close enough. enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they have sex. And, and, and he gets pregnant. And he gets her pregnant. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise baby. That's the, the baby of... Uh, of but Tom it's a clone Cruise. child, so it'll grow up with a split tongue. <laughs> is that how that works, Kelly Wan? <laughs> yeah. But as it. long as he kills her and then raises her from the dead, it will heal the split tongue, you see. <sighs> But you know, like a little e- Evil Dead reference. Mm. When's the Will Smith one? One, two, three, uh, yeah. only you and me. Got one eighty degrees, and I'm caught in between. One, two, three, feet apart, I like that we hold our breath for that. Oh, uh, you mentioned the Will Smith one, but I uh, that that uh, it's an I think of it more as an M Night Shyamalan movie. I was not like. If this, if the M. Night Shyamalan one has as many, has half as many effective twists as Oblivion did for me, I'm totally on board. Wait, that's a Shyamalan movie? The Will Smith one? Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's Gary Widow, too. I see it as a Gary Widow. Gary Widow wrote the screenplay, M. Night Shyamalan's directing, and it's Will Smith with his son. Three favorite. Hollywood. I've not seen any of the trailers. I don't know anything about it. Uh, oh, God. You didn't see the trailer? Oh, it's so excruciating. No. I, oh, that, well, I don't want to know. I don't want to know because we'll probably be seeing it this summer. So I would agree. Trailer. I hope it has half as many uh, effective twists. They should remake Soul Plane with white people. <laughs> what? 
wait a minute. Nothing. Wow. Not going there. Uh, let's instead do a three by three. This week, yeah. three, inspired <laughs> by uh, last week's Place Beyond the Pines, in which Ryan Gosling was very tattooed. Uh, what I want from folks this week are their favorite tattoos, not tattooed characters, um, but specific tattoos um, from movies. You cannot use Robert Mitchum's knuckles in Night of or the Prison Break. Prison Break, the TV show. Yeah, he had the map of the thing on his back, which seems dumb because then he can't see it. But <laughs> wait a minute, yeah. that's from Waterworld. <laughs> oh, stop stealing my number two. Fuckers. Well, stop bringing up things. Oh, <laughs> we'll God. stop TV. Oh, we'll stop stopping. Stop it. All right. Just tell you what, don't, don't make me. I'll bring Z Bone in here. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Wan, you are first because it's – oh, no, Dingus, you are first because it's your three-by-three next week. So, Uh Dingus, what is your number three pick for a favorite tattoo from a movie? And maybe you could actually give us a line from it and we could guess. All right, here's a line from it. Guess what happened to me today? I got a free tattoo. It's like a Mexican drinking worm. (laughs) Down with the wind. (laughs) Wait a minute. I know this. It's not Dude, Where's My Car? What is this? (laughs) Uh, Harold and Kumar – have sex with God. <laughs> what? No. Free tattoo. It sounds really familiar. <laughs> Do the voice again? Because that's where the clue lies. It's a Native American symbol meaning wasted. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, Jesus. What is this? I know this. I think that's infected. <laughs> uh, oh, Kelly Wand, we know this, don't we? Antiviral. Or is it auntie? <sighs> That comment, Dingus, I feel like I'm going to, like when you say what it is, I'm going to go, oh yeah, I love that movie, I want to watch it again. Alright, I'll just tell you the, the name of the actress. Rebel Wilson. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> so it's got to be either Bridesmaids or Pitch Perfect. It's Bridesmaids, and she gets a free tattoo, and um, Kristen <laughs> Wiig comes home to her awful roommate's house. <laughs> And uh, and Rebel says, guess what happened to me today? I got a free tattoo. And she raises her shirt up, and then she turns around, and this is awful, infected Mexican huge tattoo because some guy in a van offered her a free tattoo. That is awesome. British people are so easy. (laughs) You guys know, you might know because Dingus has watched the trailer. I haven't watched the trailer. Do you know that Rebel Wilson is in uh, Pain and Gain, the new Michael Bay movie? (sighs) You ruined that movie for me now. I thought that was two movies. (laughs) directed by michael and bay (laughs) Uh, kelly wad what is your number three pick for a favorite tattoo you didn't want to say anything else about your thing about my thing i mean dingus's even no i i think it's pretty self-explanatory i mean do you remember the the scene where she raises her shirt and then you turn around and you see this awful huge never that's not what i look at when a woman raises her shirt you sexist. Uh, number three, I'll do a quote. Not sure. <laughs> I don't give up. That's how I feel about your quote, Kelly Wand. Oh, wait, what's that supposed to mean? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the oh, movie is. I, I don't know it. Yeah. Uh, I'll do another quote. No, that's the only quote I know. Uh, idiocracy is uh, you get the tattoo. It's like the tattoo machine is like the only machine in the idiocracy universe that works. Because he like tries to yank his arm out early instead of cutting off his hand, it doesn't. What tattoos do you get from the idiocracy machine? What's the exact tattoo? What are you talking about? 
It's where when he goes, asks him his name, he goes, not sure, and so then he's stuck with that name. <laughs> oh, right. no, no, Kelly's right. No, uh, uh, Kelly just sucks at explaining things, but he can yeah. make a good pick from time to time. Explaining things is not... And I didn't know what the... What the yeah, good, that's good. <laughs> Dingus says reluctantly. So Kelly wanted to explain it. Take two. Kelly Wan, what's your number three pick for a favorite movie tattoo? My third favorite tattoo is the one that you don't see in Idioxy, where names Luke Wilson, not sure, because he fucks it up. But Does it works. he actually get a tattoo that says not sure? Is that, the, is that what they do? It asks him his name, and he says not sure something. And it gets tattooed on his arm for his ID yeah. thing? That's good. Yeah, I like that. So now but we have two Wilsons, Rebel and Luke. All right, well, I'm going to give you guys a three for you. Ready for this? Yes. Oh, wait, I can't do it that way. Rats. All right, speaking of Tilda Swinton, this is a tattoo that summons Tilda Swinton. Uh, My number three pick. Oh, this is a great one, you jerk. Did you have this one, Dingus? No, I didn't even think of it. This is perfect. Good job. Oh, good, okay. So, Kelly Wan, what if you wanted a tattoo to summon Tilda Swinton? You wouldn't want to just have it just normally on you because Tilda no. Swinton would be popping up all over the place. So and instead, be attached to it would be fatal. So, that's terrible. Right, so instead, you divide it into two halves and put one on each of your forearms. So then you lock your forearms together like like Ultraman or something when you need to summon Tilda Swinton. Uh, this is at the finale of Constantine, where uh, where Keanu Reeves has this. He's got this sigil that's tattooed in two halves on his arms. So in order to use the sigil, which will summon the angel Gabriel, is that who? Yeah, that's who she plays. Uh, he he puts his arms together at a key scene at the end of the movie. So I love that. That uh, you know, I love the visual of, of Keanu Reeves putting his arm together, and you see, oh yeah, that makes it a little circle. I thought it was a scrotum. <laughs> that's a movie uh, I not seen. What word are you saying, sigil? I don't know what that is. Sigil. Oh, just a glyph, a symbol of. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, somebody doesn't play the Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You need to play more more action RPGs to know what a sigil is. Hold on, let me write that on my to do list. <laughs> I just didn't know what sigil was, and I like I just love this choice, and I wanted to be clued in. Sorry. No, no, I, it's a nerd word, Dingus. Like, you, unless you're like a druid or a video gaming nerd, you you probably wouldn't know sigil. So that that's no problem. It's like your thirteenth Constantine reference over the years, and I, st- I never remember any of them. And I like the movie, but somehow I, it's one of those movies I don't remember at all. Maybe you should see it again. Maybe you should read the Before, comic. It's from no, never going to do it. Uh, Irish. The thing How about you Sigil, uh, S-I-G-I-L. Uh, the thing about Constantine, <laughs> Kelly Wand, is... I'm sorry, I just never... I, I'm writing it down. Shut up. To, Take it away. How you spell right. Wand? So really think, tough, but you thought, I'm sorry. I was gibbering. Oh, no, you, I just, you should see Constantine again. I think it holds up. I'm just so excited about this choice, and I want to know what he's talking about. So shut up, Kelly. Sigil is, I don't even know if it's officially a sigil. Like, if you play games like Diablo or Path of Exile or World of Warcraft, whatever, you have sigils and glyphs and inscriptions and jewels and things that you socket. And I'm actually playing a a game right now called uh, Soul Sacrifice, where the whole conceit is that your arm, you can carve sigils into it. So I don't even think they call it that in Constantine. That's just what I think of when I think of symbols on an arm. Uh, So in this game I'm playing, they're called sigils. Constantine... Uh, it might technically be a glyph, for all I know. I thought arm sigils were just UPC symbols. <laughs> Kelly Wan, that's a sign of the uh, tribulation in, in the book of Revelation. Oh. <laughs> sign and sigil are unrelated, etymologically. 
sign and sigil are unrelated etymologically? Is that true? Question mark. Oh, I would assume not. I mean, they seem... I don't know. Maybe they... I don't know. Kelly Wan, we'll we'll cover that on the Quarter to Three Etymology Podcast. You're not even pretending to be smart. I disagree with that, Canadian. (laughs) Dingus, give us a line from your number two pick for a favorite tattoo in a movie. All right, I'm going to give you a bit of dialogue, and I might get in trouble for this one, so I apologize. It's a twofer. All right, here you go. What's that one? They're in your arm. That's a tattoo. I got that removed. Because it's not a tattoo. It's been removed. It's no longer, you know, I mean, who can't pick that one? Uh, but it's yeah. not technically there anymore, so I don't know. What do you think, Kelly Wand? Memento? Ah, uh, Kelly Wand doesn't know it. Oh, Kelly Wand, you're going to owe me another $5 when Dingus explains what this is. Oh, that's <laughs> fair. All right, I'm good. I accept those terms, no matter what he says. Uh, okay, so this is Quint talking <laughs> about the tattoo he got removed of the Indian Oh, fuck. I'm an idiot. Tom's right to laugh at me. <laughs> Five dollars, Kelly. Wan. Put five dollars in the dumbass jar. So I thought I'd get in trouble for this because uh, Tom's clearly asking for a tattoo, uh, a specific tattoo, and this is a removed tattoo. Um, but I just love this moment so much, and I. One of the things I always forget about this scene is how, um, how the camaraderie works out in it, and how Quint touches Hooper and he's just got such a great relationship with that guy that he's developing at this moment and he's just like you know putting his hand on him and they're 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 making fun and and I just love the way that this scene develops and when when Brody asks what that what what's that and uh and Quint says it's a tattoo I got that removed and Hooper keeps joking and and then Quint like puts his hand on him so yeah it, it's kind of a it's kind of a loser pick because it's not really a tattoo, but I like it anyway. Well, the thing about that moment, Dingus, is that when Quint says it, he knows that Hooper is going to know exactly what he's talking about. He right. knows that as soon as he says what the tattoo is going to be, that suddenly you know stuff's going to get real, uh, and he knows that Hooper knows that. And like so much of the movie, Brody's just completely on the outside of this and has no right. idea. Right. Uh, That's his trick to victory. That's his superpower. That he want. Not his Hooper power. <laughs> Uh, Kelly Wan, what is your number two pick for a favorite tattoo in a movie? Mary Ellen Moffat, She Broke My Heart. Except not a tattoo. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, there is a, there is a, well, I'll save it for the runner. Well, you know what, maybe I'll mention it. Nah, never mind. <laughs> There's a tattoo uh, that someone gets because apparently someone named Loretta broke this person's heart. Do you guys, does that ring any bells for you guys? The Tortellis? Uh, one of Robert De Niro's tattoos in Cape Fear is literally a broken heart with the word Loretta <laughs> written over it. Is that yeah. Ariana Douglas's character's name? I don't think so. I kind of doubt it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I hope that didn't steal anyone's pick. She didn't break his heart, I guess. She ate her face. Yeah, that's well, my number one. Yes, Kelly, so your number two, what do you got for us? Uh, <clears throat> my number two is... Uh, the bolt in your spinal column in existence that lets you play video games. Is that a tattoo? Well, it's like a, it's a body mutilation. If you get hit by a truck, that's also a tattoo. <laughs> I feel so good about choosing a tattoo that's been removed now. <laughs> at least Dingus's tattoo existed at one point. <laughs> All right, not a fake physical gesture. What about uh, that one thing you did that was dumb? There. I know, you got me there, Kelly Wand. Fair point. Fair point to you. All right, so Existence's Bolt that lets you play video games? What? Yeah. All right. Uh, 
Thank you, Kelly Wand. Uh, my number two, uh, I actually just found this scene online and was watching it earlier. Dingus saw some of it with me. I, yes. I remembered the tattoo, uh, but I forgot the significance of it in the scene. Um, this is a movie from, must have been the early 80s, um, that was supposed to be, I think at one point, a David Lean movie. The script was written by a fellow named, uh, I wrote his name down, Roger Bolt, who oh, wrote... Robert uh, Bolt, fool. Robert yeah. Bolt, thank you, thank, thank you. you. Uh, but it was directed what, – what I screwed up was the, this movie was directed by Roger Donaldson. Roger Donaldson directed it from a script by Robert Bolt, who wrote Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, and it's an adaptation of Mutiny on the Bounty that was just called The Bounty oh, yeah. um, with Anthony Hopkins and, and Mel Gibson. And, and this take on Mutiny and the Bounty isn't so much that one character is a villain and he's just an oppressive commander and – Fletcher Christian is uh, an upstanding good guy who's just worried about the crew and that therefore the mutiny is something that absolutely should have happened, that the mutineers are vindicated. Um, that's, I think, the take in, in the, some of the earlier versions of Mutiny on the Bounty. But in this version, written by Robert Bolt, uh, it's much more ambiguous. Anthony Hopkins, playing Captain Bly, uh, is, is mainly traditional. It's not that he's evil or oppressive and what happens over the course of the movie is that as fletcher christian falls in love with a woman and starts to be more enamored of this native culture uh there's this sense that captain Bly gets jealous of him and jealous of losing a friend um so there's a scene where um uh, uh mel gibson who plays fletcher christian is getting a tattoo and he's getting a native tattoo, and it's a series of like the letter Zs around his neck and around his waist. And when you get a tattoo in Tahiti, apparently the way it works is a topless woman, you lay your head in her lap, and she puts her fingers on your face to comfort you. And uh, an old man or whatever hits you with this little thing full of ink over and over and over, uh, and it's painful. <laughs> Uh, so when Mel Gibson gets the tattoo, I'd swap this if it was me. But go on. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a scene after he gets the tattoo where uh, Anthony Hopkins, Captain Bly, summons him to dinner and demands that he wear his proper English naval jacket at dinner, even though Mel Gibson explains, "Hey, look, I just get a tattoo. It's really yeah. going to hurt if you make me wear this jacket." And Captain Bly's like, "I don't care, Fletcher Christian. Put on the jacket." <laughs> sit there in his jacket uh, and be very uncomfortable because of this tattoo, which represents his love for this native woman and the fact that it will ultimately pull these two characters apart. Uh, so that's my number two is uh, Mel Gibson's native Tahitian tattoo from the bounty. He just needed to get Hopkins laid by another chick, and then uh, well, Hopkins has a wife back at home, by the way. Like I don't so like Hopkins. What is happens in Tahiti stays in Tahiti. <laughs> it's cheaper to rent, bro. Do you like the Bounty, Kelly Wan? I love that movie. Yeah, me I too. It. Oh, that was great. I like all the Bounty movies. I like the ones where he's the Charles Lawton Dick one. But the uh, Bill Gibson one's great. It's Bill Gibson one's great. It looks good. They're, they're, really they're good. both so good in it. And, and you know, like uh, Liam, Neeson and, Liam Neeson and Daniel Day-Lewis are in it. Uh, it's I love it. Yeah, and it has Olivier at the bookend. You know, yeah. And the fact that, it, like, if they start out as friends, it yes. makes it more interesting. Yep, so absolutely. It's kind of the best one, and they're both really good actors. I don't know. Kelly, Kelly so, Wand, I'd like to tell you that you may kiss the gunner's daughter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dingus, what is your number one pick for a movie tattoo? What is he doing? He's kissing the gunner's daughter. Yeah, I was thinking about it. <laughs> Sorry. Lightweight. All right. Well, let me give you a let me give you a quote from it. Mm -hmm. 
such a weird setup. All right. Show the tattoo. Turn to the right. I wondered if someone was going to do well, it. makes sense. Of course, Dingus would do it. So clear up for me what's the – yeah, explain this, Dingus, because I had, I had questions about this one. Do you even know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because it, it's yeah, obviously it's, like it's a reveal about the bike or the apocalypse, but I just need you to explain. I wasn't real clear on what exactly we found out from that tattoo, but go ahead. All right, well, I love this this tattoo, and partly uh, this is from Raising Arizona, of course, and this is the um, – oh, what do you think the tattoo is? Isn't it like a 101st Airborne Division or something? No, it's it, what, what I thought it was Woody Woodpecker, but it's when it, oh. it, she researches it's it's something called Mister Horsepower. Um, but it's it, it basically looks like Woody Woodpecker, <laughs> but it's a cartoon mascot for some uh, auto shop. Uh, what? Mr. Yeah. Horsepower Auto Shop? I thought it did demonstrate that they were in the military together or something like that. No, not at oh. all. The the idea is, uh, and I don't I don't really know what it's, and I don't know that it's definitive, but it's it's a Woody Woodpecker tattoo, but it's also, but it's actually also known as Mr. Horsepower, which is this cartoon mascot of some uh, auto cam shop or something. Um, so the the idea is that it's supposed to. It's not that the, it's the idea is that they're somehow related, and the uh, the idea is that. Uh, He's uh, he's Hi's father. Um, I don't know if that really plays out. I've never tried to suss all of that out. But the the little baby shoes that he has that fly off, oh, right. loads, give you the idea of that. And I've I've never been able to really figure out what Hi says when when Nicholas Cage is scrambling with him and he pulls a, aside the vest and finds the the that tattoo and goes he says something like i didn't know you were a member or i didn't know i didn't know what was going on uh, it's really hard to figure out what the heck hi is saying at that moment but uh, a lot of people think that they were somehow related or that that was his father i never got that i just love the tattoo i love that when you're looking at the early prison moments where uh, H.I. is in that that group where he's talking and, you know, how, uh, he's in the in the group therapy sessions, you look as the camera pans by and and his sleeve is purposely just kind of squirked up a little bit so you can see the tattoo there. And then, of course, they, they make a point of saying, show the tattoo, and then later on he uncovers the tattoo, and the idea is that they are somehow related. It has nothing. I don't think it has anything to do with them serving in the military. It's just that they're somehow related in some way, and the Coens don't make clear why that is. I think I even wondered, Dingus, is if it somehow implied that the Biker of the Apocalypse was something that he manifested from his subconscious or – Star Chaff. Yeah, because there's definitely something like that, like with, with John Goodman and Barton Fink. I mean, uh, you know, the, the Coen brothers are not a, beyond um, this idea that, that demons are manifested from subconsciousnesses. Uh, well, I think he says that himself. He says, I don't know if this was something that I called forth from my dreams. Ah. He says that himself, explicitly. So I, okay, so I'm not as smart as I thought I was. They had to no, explain you, you that are exactly me. as smart as you thought you were. <laughs> Wait, what's the Jewish monster thing called in Serious Dipic. It's a Dipic. Dipic. Uh, Kelly Wan, if you want more Dipic stories, there's a Jeffrey Morgan Dean, the, the comedian from Watchmen. His daughter gets possessed by a Dipic in a movie called The Possession, and he has to go to a bona fide, like, Orthodox Jewish rabbi dude, complete with the 
what do you call those curly locks? Uh, at any rate, that's he's the equivalent of Max von Sydow in in The Exorcist. One of those guys has to come and treat the comedian's daughter, and it's because a dibbuk gets her. Oh, uh, should I see that movie? No, good lord, no. <laughs> uh, all right, Kelly Wand, but what you should see. Maybe you have seen it. Is your number one pick for a favorite tattoo in a movie? What would it be? <laughs> nice recovery. What you should see is the movie that you already wrote about. Is that what you just said to me? That's where I was going. I, I brought it around. Do you want to? I wrote a note while Dingus was talking, uh, which is very common. Uh, a woodpecker is a tattoo artist for trees. <laughs> My number one movie tattoo is in Waterworld when the kid's ass has the match dry land on it. So is that really? Is it? I really outed your your pick earlier. I feel bad. No, I was just kidding. Ah, you jerk! You got me. All right, then was, what is uh, your number one? My number one's in Starship Troopers when uh, Johnny Rico gets death from above, even though he's infantry and they're powerless when above. <laughs> God, what? <sighs> It's towards death from above. Yeah, there he goes. I don't know good at things. Stop making me talk. What's wrong with you fuckers? Uh, but doesn't isn't the idea is that they're like airborne an airborne division and that the yeah, but they get shot at. Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. They, they arrive from above. They 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 are they are what's called they are what is called orbitally inserted. <laughs> that we talk about. Skull, skull, uh. <laughs> it should say it should say death eventually from above once we land, and then like an and that's actually I think I don't know if it's the hundred first airborne division, but that is a, an actual uh, military not a mascot. Uh, what would you call it? A motto, logo. That is an actual logo for a real world military organization. I'm pretty sure. I think they I would call that a tagline. A tagline, yes, <laughs> if you will, or an Olivia. I know 101 is a real number. That that's a good point, Kelly Wan. You know what? Though maybe uh, we'll cover that on our math podcast. Well, that's true, because I might have a thing or two to say about that. Oh, uh, see, so you're already doing math, Kelly Wan. My number one pick for a movie tattoo uh, is <laughs> don't uh, just be. There, there's a Thai movie called Last Life in the Universe about a, a very a fairly meek Japanese fellow who falls in love with a Thai girl, um, oh, and same, at, same score Thai. No. They what? I think meant tied with another movie, but you meant T. No, no, Thai is in from Thailand, formerly Siam. Yeah. Uh, uh, in this movie, Last Life, in this movie, Last Life in the Universe, this Japanese fellow, there's a huge reveal about his character, which is never explicitly explained. It becomes pretty clear as the movie goes along that he is former yakuza, and we only know this because at one point he's taking a bath, and this thug breaks into the house and is going to beat up his, his girlfriend, the, the girl he's fallen in love with. And so he puts a towel around his waist and get out of the tub and see what's going on with this yelling thug downstairs. And from the way the camera's positioned, we see for the first time his, his back has this huge elaborate tattoo. So that when he then beats up the thug handily without lose, with just wearing a towel, uh, we understand <laughs> why. We know that this formerly meek this guy that we thought was just like a meek fella uh, is former Yakuza. 
it's not explicitly explained, but then you know a lot about like why he's in Thailand, uh, why he is the way he is. I love this as a character reveal, uh, and I just love the visual of uh, the actor's name is uh, Asano Taranobu. I love the visual of this huge, colorful tattoo just sprawled across the, his back. Um, so that's my number one pick. It's what inspired it. Sounds like you had to be there kind of tattoo. Like if we... But until we see it, we won't know what you mean. Correct, exactly. Just just imagine something enormous and florid, I guess. When don't That's I? what she said. Okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, before we do runners-up, we do have some listener submissions. Uh, this week, Paul Weimer, our fifth Beatle, says uh, he suspects he might be scooped two out of three of them like he was with lasers. Uh, and he <laughs> says, hopefully he wouldn't be scooped, he says number three is the... Triple X tattoo on the back of Vin Diesel's Xander Cage. Oh, Vin Diesel's Xander Cage's neck. So apparently Vin Diesel's character's name in Triple X is Xander Cage. <laughs> I love that. Wait, what's the tattoo of? Xander Cage. It looks oh. like it's, it's, yeah, it's three X's. But then he gets killed, right? And then Ice Cube takes over. Is, the is that what happens? Or, or he's never again. He lost interest in the franchise and then went But that's different. Place. Losing interest in the franchise is different from getting killed. Tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paul's number two pick is the concentration camp tattoo on Ian McKellen's Magento's arm in the original X Men movie. Why? Uh, why? Well, we will have to check with Paul, apparently. I mean, it's, that's a reveal about. I don't. I don't know the comic, so I certainly had no idea that Magneto was a was a was a, a Jew from a concentration camp. Did you know that, Kelly? Wand is that in the comics? Uh, <laughs> like so. like Asanu Taranobu's uh, back tattoo. It's a reveal about the character. Yeah. Uh, and Paul's number one pick is the dot matrix shaped tattoo on Mila Jovovich's Lilu's wrist. <laughs> Huh. That identifies her as the perfect being in the fifth element. <laughs> it gets a tat. The perfect being has a tattoo that announces it. And Paul, none of those were scooped. So uh, well done, Paul. Uh, <laughs> we have from Kyle Covino. He says, hey, all, here's my choices for the 3x3 on tattoos. To stay focused, I use the theme of movie superheroes. So Kyle picks number three, Blade from Blade. The spiky design is fitting for a vampire. Kyle writes. Number two, Angel, played by Zoe Kravitz, from X-Men First Class. Um, <laughs> Kyle's comment, they're really wings. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> What's the tattoo? <laughs> I'm assuming I don't remember. I'm assuming no, it, it looks like a tattoo on her back, and then it unfolds into wings. They're really wings. Here's the red herring setup of what the actual mutation is. Uh, and Kyle's number one pick is... Uh, Wolverine's tattoo claw marks. Is tattoo from Electra. I don't know what that is, but Kyle writes, his tattoos come to life. How cool is that? Also, his okay. name is Tattoo. So there. Oh. Then Kyle writes, as a runner-up, Hellboy. Since the markings in his right shoulder look more like an etching, I wasn't sure that would count. Sigil. Kelly Wan, judgment on that one? Sigil. <laughs> Uh, our number, our next uh, uh, listener <laughs> submission is from Zhao Fang, who writes, I thought for ages because I can think of one awesome entry and then, 
well, it became a struggle to remember two additional films I've seen with tattoos in them. So some of this is clearly just making up space. Number three, in Waterworld, there's that tattoo on the back of that girl, uh, which is the map that leads to the dry land. This, no did not, this did not particularly make sense to me, because why would you tattoo a map on a child? It doesn't seem very convenient. Yeah, because it grows and the map's fucked, isn't it? And then you end up uh, just adrift, nowhere near dry land. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's the worst idea. Zhao Fang's number two is, in Superman Returns, there is a random nameless goon who has a tattoo of a clown on the back of his head who plays a piano before being <laughs> murdered by a small boy. I don't know. Wait a minute. This, I think this is some flight of fancy or something from a David Lynch movie. Let me read that again. In Superman Returns, there's a random nameless goon who has a tattoo of a clown on the back of his head who plays a piano before being murdered by a small boy. And then Balthazar Gettig comes in. <laughs> Kelly Wan, can you, can you explain any of this to us? No, but Zack Snyder will explain. <laughs> well, Zhao Feng uh, then further says this character is the best and most nuanced character in the film. <laughs> is the kid in the new one? Superman movie? Yeah, I'm, we'll, yeah we'll find out. The murderer? <laughs> we'll find out this summer. Superman's murderer child. Zalfang's number one pick, and this is a great one, but my problem with this one is you would have to pick one of the tattoos, and I'm not sure I could do that, but Zalfang picks for number one, Memento, Lenny's tattoos. Uh, this was awesome because our understanding of those tattoos changes over time. Initially, they represent fundamental truths that Lenny has literally carved into his own body. Given he has no memory, the tattoos define who he is. But slowly, we come to realize that really all of those tattoos are lies or self-deceptions. The entire film is about those tattoos, sort of. Uh, and we're here. Oh, we're all screwed, guys. Uh, Zhao Feng writes, if none of you three mentioned Memento, you should all be fired immediately from podcasting. I did mention it when I thought something else was it. I do have a favorite so one from fired. Memento, but but okay, I'm fired. But it's not a tattoo. <laughs> uh, uh, Mason, Mason Mistaka writes, uh, number three. Oh, oh, dadgummit. Oh, I like this one. Because I actually like this tattoo, even though it's so dopey. I would never get this tattoo, but I could see it on Kelly Wand. Uh, Mason Mesteca writes, number three, Snake Plissken's Cobra tattoo in Escape from New York. Kurt Russell, best action movie ever? I think so. And if I'm I, not mistaken, it's on his stomach and it goes down into his pants? Is that where his... Yeah, I have nothing snake-like to put it on. <laughs> uh, I'm glad this one is mentioned. I'm sure we were all thinking of it. Uh, Mason's number two. Vigo Mortensen's role as Nikolai has star tattoos on his chest. Uh, his, well, uh, I think the uh, star tattoos on his chest mark him as the target in the climactic scene in Eastern Promises. Yeah, I love how the tattoos yeah. feature Eastern Promises. Did you know that all nine actors who in the Lord of the Rings were in the Fellowship all got tattoos when they made the movie, including Boromir, Sean Bean? That's like a tattoo. It's like their barbed wire. Do you know that? Uh, I'm gonna. I'm calling that as an urban legend. Number nine. It's like a nine, I think. So I like the. I like the minarets on his back. Uh, I, I love the tattoos in Eastern Promises. I brought them up. I think when we talked about makeup. But uh, but the minarets on the on his back and that cross on his front. Yeah. The 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 star choice is much better. But God, those tattoos, and they're so specific because of what is going on with the character and in that movie. But that's a great choice. It's part of his cover. 
Well, Dingus, it's interesting you mention that because Mason is clearly thinking on par with you with his number one pick. He writes, H.I. McDonough and Leonard Smalls share the same Mr. Horsepower tattoos in Raising, Arizona. Always an awkward feeling when you meet someone with the same tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) And then Mason writes, I also think we are due for Tex Cobb to make a comeback. I do, too. What happened to that guy? I think if you... Yeah, he died. Oh. Playing John, so John Matusak. Football players die early. But he's so good in that. I mean, I know you're not crazy about raising Arizona, Tom, but... No, I am. What are you talking about? It's, it's, it's minor was, It's minor Cohen's, though. But I love it. That's what I'm starting out. Uh, but when you watch what he's doing in, in those scenes and the way he just... Ah, oh, he's so good. He's so good. And he's so funny. Man. And, and he's dead. Oh, great. Well, thanks for bringing the room down. Sorry. I don't know. No, Maybe thank I'm you. Yeah, thanks to Mason for bringing the room down. Thanks. If you meet okay. a chicken that with who has the same tattoo as you, at first it's like kismet, and then, but then later when you're having sex there, isn't it more like masturbation because you have it? It's like you're looking at. As long as she doesn't have the same dick. Whoa, Dingus. He sighed irritably and then totally scored. I would put that up. See that shit? Uh, Mason offers some runners-up. He writes Matthew McConaughey's tribal dragon tattoos in Reign of Fire. I, I, I remember his outfit more than I remember his tattoos. So he had- I remember how buff they were for this starvation. <laughs> uh, Brad Pitt in Snatch, Mason writes, has some awful animal tattoos. Oh, no, I just thought of um, a freaking, how could we forget, um, uh, not Hitch, what the heck is that thing called? Uh, no, help me out. The thing with uh, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the imaginary. The kid invokes the imaginary uh, Hesher. Joseph oh Gordon-Levitt. damn it! All oh, those are great. All oh, those great kid drawing tattoos. Exactly, because the, the ah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is like the manifestation of a, of a I guess, a ten year old's imagination. So exactly, naturally, he imagines he would have tattoos as drawn by a, a little kid. Well, those are. Oh. Uh, can we? Let's start over. Uh, if nobody, by the way, if nobody who's emailed us mentions those, you're all fired. <laughs> How's that feel? Finally, Mason writes, and I love this pick. Uh, Mason writes, Mads Mickelson sadly does not have tattoos in Valhalla Rising. The oh. designs are painted on by the boy, but in Pusher, another Nicholas Winding Refn film, he has a back of the head tattoo that says respect. That is awesome, Mason. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, all right, the next one is from Scott Andrews. He writes, hello, QT3. I decided to pick tattoos that were important to the story. Thank you, Scott. Uh, something more than makeup and hairstyling. And I'm pretending he wrote in this voice. I don't know if he actually did. He then writes, I expect that two or three of these may have already been picked, so plus one vote up slash like from me. Number three, a reminder. What? Oh, oh, no, so he's explaining the, the function of the tattoos in the story. So number three, tattoo as a reminder. Leonard, Guy Pierce in Memento, the first tattoo that he slash we discover while he is talking on the phone. It's on his arm, and it reads, never answer never answered the phone. Very good, Scott. So Scott perfectly did it. He picked out a specific tattoo. Thank you, Scott. Nicely done. Uh, Scott's number two pick is a mark of authenticity. And he writes, spoiler, it's a disguise. 
Oh, that's kind of, I feel bad for even having said that, but he's referring to Sun Over Water on Back of Hand. That's Nikolai Vigo Mortensen in Eastern Promises. He has a large collection of Russian gangster tattoos. I chose this one, the Sun Over Water on the Back of His Hand, because it was always visible. Uh, and then Scott Andrews' number one pick is, oh, this is a good one too, is a tattoo as a lure. It's a white rabbit on a shoulder. He mentions the character and actress's name, who no one but him is going to know, and it's from The Matrix. Uh, Scott calls this a perfect tattoo scene. Knock, knock, flash the shoulder, done. And hey, Carrie Ann Moss times two. Nice, Scott. Very nice. Uh, And then finally, we have from uh, a... Very close friend of the podcast, Aaron Kane, writes to us, Hello, gents. I have three for you, and I tried to skew things towards tattoos that define character. Hmm. Sort of, he says. (laughs) I suspect many of these will already, shall we say, have surfaced. Number three. Uh, I get it. (laughs) Number three. Uh, Dollarhide, a.k.a. The Tooth Fairy, a.k.a. Ray Fiennes, in Red Dragon. Not such a great film, but the tattoo is a bit of a cheat, since it covers so much of his body while still essentially being one thing, namely Dollarhide's real hide, or Mr. Hyde. I just love how intricate and sinister it is, and how much it is at odds with his put-on sane persona. Aaron Kane's number two pick Ed Norton's chest swastika in American History X. It's simple, stark, huge, and marks him in every sense of the word. Yeah, man, you can't you can't forget that one. Um, and then Aaron Kane's number one pick, which shows uh, I actually met Mr. Kane through uh, Dingus here, shows that they're on the same wavelength. Aaron Kane's number one pick, the Woody Woodpecker head, shared by H. I. McDonough and Leonard Smalls in Raising Arizona. Does it mark them as long lost brothers? Does it confirm that the lone biker of the apocalypse was somehow conjured up by H.I.? I, for one, am glad we will never know. All right, so thank you for that. Uh, all right, runners-up, gentlemen, anything from you guys? I, I love Aaron's choice for, uh, what was it? Was it Red Dragon or Manhunter? I can't remember what he said. Uh, Red Dragon, yeah, it's where Ray finds his dollar hide. Okay, because I, I didn't remember if Manhunter, we actually saw it. Um, but I remember the one from... Uh, Red Dragon and it's just it's such a beautiful tattoo and it's such a great representation of what you see or what you read in the book and it's that that Blake that Blake I don't know if you would call it a painting or a lithograph or whatever it is but it's it's called the uh, the Great Red Dragon and the Woman Clothed with the Sun and it's and he's right it's just such beautiful detail so yeah that's a great choice and other, other than that I, I don't I, the problem with this one is that I can't I can't pick a particular tattoo. Uh, I could if I watched it again, but Nightcrawler's tattoo, he, Nightcrawler's tattoos. I don't know if you call them tattoos in X Men Two, but he's done all of them himself. And and there's one that he, he talks about each one being a sin. I think. Anyway, but uh, but Aaron's choice of uh, Great Red Dragon is great. Is Nightcrawler Alan Cumming? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't like the. He said it was pain in the ass to wear all that shit, so he, was, so he skipped it out the next one. <laughs> no, but he does. He does such a good. He just. I know. Yeah, and Nightcrawler. Great sweats when he texts. He, look, he looks great, but there, I, if I wanted to isolate one, I could because he talks about the different sins. But, but I love those tattoos, and then of course I, I did think of the the ones from Eastern Promises as well. But, but you didn't Aaron, see Aaron picks a great one. Dingus. What did you say? About. 
You didn't see Manhunter? Yeah, of course. Uh, but I just don't remember if you see Dollaride's uh, tattoo in Manhunter uh, as you do with Rafe Fiennes. I remember there's a tiger in it. A sleeping tiger and a blind woman petting a sleeping tiger. It's a, it's a metaphor, Caliwand. For Cloud Atlases? <laughs> I love that in uh, Blues Brothers, Elwood's tattoo doesn't fit on one hand. You know, there's Jake. John Belushi gets all the letters on his knuckles. And Dan, uh, Dan Aykroyd has to spell Elwood across both of his hands. Z-Bone told me he's only seen Blues Brothers 2000. He doesn't need to see it. Because the other one came out before he was born and therefore doesn't exist. <laughs> nice work, Z-Bone. Yeah. Uh, all right. It's on the postcard. Forgot to mention that. <laughs> okay, good. Thanks. Uh, Dingus, what is next week's 3x3? What do you have for us? Fingers. Okay. Didn't we do those? <laughs> I mean, it. All right. Let's see. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Let me write that down. Uh, Phantasm. And um, Z-Bone's postcard, the front of it. All right, there. There's my three. <laughs> well, Z-Bone's postcard, the front of it, definitely inspired this, uh, as did watching Raising Arizona again. Uh, because there's this, there, there are two great moments, but the second great moment is when H.I. is crawling under the pickup truck. And um, he gets dragged out from under it, and he... He has his hands, and I thought they were it was going to be a fingernail kind of thing. So we can do fingers or fingers. Oh, you're actually doing fingers. I thought, I thought you were doing a joke. I thought it was totally a joke thing. No, no, I'm doing fingers. <laughs> Lord. But not one, did you think that that was really going to be his 3x3 three three when he said fingers? Uh, uh, I don't know. But I thought we did nails already. <laughs> Wasn't that one from a long time ago? I can't remember. <laughs> it's quite possible we did nails. Or right, well, you're saying what I we said. do nails again. He said, it could be Nails 2, so you're just expanding the first one that we may have already done? Yes. Okay, cool. Dingus doesn't care about the rules. That's what I like about him. So it's really thanks to... I I fly by the seat of my pants. Because I really did pick things now that I screwed up. I totally outed something. So fingers, all right. Yeah, fingers. Do you remember that moment in Racing Arizona where he's under the pickup truck and uh, Smalls drags him out and he he throws, he puts his hands down and tries to hold himself and he he just gets dragged and his fingers are are scraping against the pavement. So, yeah, fingers. There you go. But then he has a grenade pin on the finger and then fingers save him. (laughs) What, Tom? I mean, I've, I've already mentioned some good ones. I could have. I'm just thinking there are plenty others I could have blown. So Which should ones? we take the ones off the they table? They blow ruined? plenty of fingers, but this I wasn't listening to what Tom said. <laughs> I've learned. All right. What did he say? What about cat claws? Do those count? Mm. <laughs> what about fins? What you about fish? Yeah. What about velociraptor claws that are used as necklaces? Do those count? What about ladyfinger <laughs> cookies? <laughs> That's so gross that they're called that. Who? who what about? Dick Tracy characters named fingers with weird makeup. The are they in the movie? movie? Kelly, these are all night. Well, you ask questions, Kelly. Keep going. Uh, fingers. I don't know. Right How about there. you put the fist right up in there? Come on, come on, give me that fist. Put it oh. right up in here. Can't believe Dingus is quoting Google. intern the internship trailer. Did Google write them? Fist Dude. me up. <laughs> give me that fist. Google was just tired of all the uh, Microsoft Bing product placement. They were like, we're just going to make our own movie. (laughs) So the young guy doesn't know the phrase, but they're smart. And they're like, same fist. But then they don't know the other things. So it's just culture clash, die rolls. Kelly Wan, do you get high? (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, uh, so if you have choices for this uh, next week's 3x3, three three, just <laughs> fingers, fingers in movies, uh, send them to 3x3, three three, that's 3x3, three three, at quarter3.com. Spell that out all the way. Uh, and join us for that. We next week will be seeing so psyched about this uh, a fellow named Jeff Nichols did a movie that I that Dingus and me love called Shotgun Stories he then did a movie that all three of us love called Take Shelter his oh. next movie uh, is Mud it is out next week you might mistake it for a Matthew McConaughey movie do not be deceived it is more than that we hope uh, Mud. we don't even know if that's good Kelly Wan Mud might be a metaphor or an acronym Exactly. Yeah, exactly. A metaphor. Because <laughs> Chud, that's an acronym. Uh, so who knows? We'll find out. Mud. Uh, okay. Yep. You know, a multi-user dungeon. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? Dingus. You know. <laughs> Dingus didn't even know what a sigil was. He's not going to know about multi. Know. I'm just sitting here thinking of cans of pumpkin. Fingers. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute! That's what he's thinking. Yeah, when when you mention Matthew McConaughey, Dingus goes straight to McConaughey wielding a can of some canned pumpkin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who can blame him though? That scene is and memorable. Not even from the movie, but just like weird, <laughs> sick reasons of his own. No so join us for that next week. We will see Mud. We will do a three by three of fingers. We hope you will send in your submissions. See the movie and join us. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Dublowski. It's Christian Morosky. Mm, I don't think so. And Kelly Wand. They sure make Gone with the Wind with white people. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. La, la, la. Tom, you want to hear my Canada? Or are you scared of it now? Kelly Wand, yes. What's going on in Canada these days? Oh, uh, so much. Okay, so I passed this massive kidney stone back in January. And then I put on my mantelpiece, the way other people do with deer heads. And then I got it mixed up with a nugget of weed and smoked it by accident. It's surprisingly effective. That just reminds me, we should have mentioned for runners up in 3x3, Dude Wars My Car. For what? Those tattoos. For tattoos. Ah, that's a good what, one. What's your say? Dude, what's your say? Sweet. See? What's yours? Tell me I don't believe Wait. I believe... I believe one of the three things you claim are part of that Canada because I know I know that that actually happened to you. We have the other two things. Counts. <laughs> Wait, they didn't sequelize the two to my car. There's Harold. I guess because they found. Well, it's Harold. Harold and Kumar is like a more ethnic version of Dude Where's My Car. White people sourced. It's you know what? Maybe the uh, maybe the biopic about Steve Jobs will be like a suiting a suitable follow up to uh, Dude Where's My Car because it's Ashton Kutcher, right? Uh, you know, somebody made a, a joke about like a barcode. Is, is there is there a barcode tattoo? Yeah, Henry Rollins has one on the back of his uh, neck. Wait, is, it, is it like Johnny Mnemonic or somebody? There's a barcode. Oh tattoo. no no. I, no, it's a hitman. Hitman. Uh, uh, hitman. That right, it's a you. video game property that Timothy Oliphant and Olga Kurylenko was in the uh, video game movie, I believe. Or was in the movie of the video game, and I think Agent Forty Seven, that's the character, has a barcode tattooed on the back of his head. Uh, Forty Seven. So is that? Is that? Do you want to substitute in that for one of your picks? No, I would prefer Fifty Two if we could. Think this wins again. Although it's fascinating.
This podcast was a fucking disaster, but it's over. Dingus thoughts. You've been in Delta sleep a long time. Some disorientation is normal, Kelly. Remember when she threw up? Still wonder. No, it's just breathing. <laughs> uh, I want to make love to Dingus.